you're at the net. Welcome to another episode of at the net podcast brought to you by Dexmex Productions. Twisting and tweaking the dials are our producers, D-Mac and Dave the Brain. Join me in welcoming your hosts, Craig Bell and AJ Shabria, who are about to take us through five sets talking tennis, all that applies and maybe even life as it seems to them. Ladies and gentlemen, Craig Bell and AJ. Thanks to our Athlete Podcast Girl for that fabulous introduction. Welcome, fans of the great game. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 8 of Athlete Podcast with AJC and CB1, who are talking the great game of tennis as it seems to us. Plus, thanks go out to our good amigos at Tex-Mex Productions, Darian D-Mac, McBrayer, Dave the Brain from Back of the House, who are on the soundboards, moving the dials and buttons to make us sound like real people. We are real people. We are. Welcome, CB1. How is everybody today? Yeah, it's good. And then lastly, be sure to check out our good work on SoundCloud, Fireside, Spotify, iTunes, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, all the important communication sites that you kids find popular. And if you are female, sorry guys, and would like to read the opening, Intro for At The Net Podcast and be an At The Net Girl. Let us know as we are lo- always looking for new female voices to do the intro, even in a foreign language, I might add. We've had a couple, and it's uh, I love that. It's really oh, yeah. interesting, yeah. It's very, very sexy. <laughs> you hear that foreign language right there. <laughs> I like that. So, But we've got a couple of great guys today in front of us, don't we? We do. We're here with our guests. Uh, everybody, warm, warm welcome to Sujay Lama, uh, one of the absolute finest college coaches in the land. He is the uh, Division I uh, women's coach for the University of North Texas. And his assistant coach, who's been at it for only about two or three months, his name is Rodrigo Almeida. Yes. So welcome, gentlemen. Yeah. Thanks Appreciate for, you all taking some time. No, thanks for having us here. And, I mean, you know, two of my favorite pros here from the DFW, uh, Craig. I mean, of course, the legend over here, right? No, no, AJ. <laughs> wow. Great friends. And just, you know, just thanks for having us on your podcast. Such a pleasure being here. And thank you for having us over. Oh, yeah, yeah. This no. is a, a rare one. We're, we're broadcasting remotely from the the Warrench Tennis Center. And my, uh, when I first saw the name Warrench, I wondered, is it pronounced Warranch or Warrench? And it's Warrench. And I thought, how many years of English and literature and poetry have I known that nothing rhymes with orange? Right. Until today. Until the Warrench <laughs> Tennis Center. And the story with Warrench <laughs> yeah. is that uh, it was a professor who went to University of North Texas, and he went to San Diego, did real estate, and became a very successful real estate estate person there in San Diego, and so he was the one who donated the big money here to have this beautiful facility. It's a gorgeous place. It's 12 outdoor courts. I feel like there's room for more. Maybe that's how our brains work, but there's even room for some indoors in the middle, huh? Absolutely. It's right over there. Yes, right there. Three indoor courts. A couple of things. Uh, We always do five sets. Uh, The first set today, we've got a couple of Notable birthdays in the birthday column. I want to say happy birthday to one of the original Bagel Brothers, Harold Solomon. Solly. Solly, uh, 1952. Do you know so- Harold Solomon? Same age as Jimmy Connors, and uh, I, I have seen him in person, and one of my early rackets was a Garcia Cragen 240. It was a wood one, and it was made in USA, actually, and Solly was famous for using that. Yes, he was. Yeah. Yes, he was definitely. That was. I never was cool enough to have a Garcia racket. You know, I, that was <laughs> I only had the Wilson Kramer. Now, did he get to the French Open Finals? He did. I think he did. Yeah. yeah. And Bjorn Borg? Was it Panada or Borg? 
Ooh, good question. I have to yeah. do some research on that. Our research department is on it. It's on it right now. Yes. And then uh, we also want to say uh, happy birthday to a uh, French Open champion. We know he's a champion. That is Mott Vlander. That's right. He was born in 64. And so you know him pretty well, too, don't you? I've had the occasion to even hit balls with him, and I've known him you know, quite a bit over, over the years. Did yeah. you take him down? Did you take him down a few points? No way. That guy is the fittest and the... the the most amazing touch. Like I, I, I have a fairly big overhead, and sometimes when you hit the overhead, even if it's 12, 14 feet away from the guy, he will get it back, and it's on the line. He's amazing. And he was not too far away from completing his uh, Grand Slams, right? Because he, he won three in a year on Wimbledon. Yeah. Now, did he get to the finals of Wimbledon? No finals of Wimbledon. No semis. I know he won Wimbledon with Anders Jared in doubles. doubles. So last eight club in in Wimbledon for sure, and uh, and obviously a champion, uh, but in dubs and many times over Roland Garros. He used to use the Rosignol racket. Yeah. yeah, I still have one of his F two hundreds and one of my stock F two hundred Rosignols. Yeah, yeah, that was that and was always guy. the uh, uh, good company we had the rooster was that the rooster on it like the lecoq rooster yeah, on the yeah, very Hall french racket. symbol yeah, yeah. they're very very similar i don't know if that was uh they were owned by the same people at one time but but it uh you don't remember the rosinal racket do you what i do you not yeah and i'm sitting here listening i'm like wow in the last three minutes <laughs> i've learned so much he's so nice oh, because man. he could have said I'm sitting here for the past three minutes. These guys are old. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love thank this. You. Thank, you. thank you for not making us feel too old yeah. from that standpoint. But, yeah, we've got uh, happy birthday to Harold Solomon, Matt Svilander. We were talking about uh, on the last podcast that uh, this is the month of champions. seemed like August uh, was uh, their parents in December must have had, uh, must have been false or must have been wintertime. And, How and, many uh, amazing legends, yes. Rod Laver, Pete Sampras, Sampras. Roger Federer. Yes. And, and so J. Sujay Lama is an August birthday. That's right. My 25th birthday. (laughs) Something in there, yeah. Born in the month of August, just uh, last week, wasn't it? It was. It was a special day. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, whatever was in the water in the world in December time frame, it must be the Christmas tradition or something. Parents wanted to have kids in August, right? Nine months later. Uh, uh, I should should just, uh, just to note, our research department just got back to us, and indeed, um, the uh, the year was 1976 when Harold Solomon got to the French Open final, and the champion that year was the guy who beat Borg. It was Adriano Panada. Mm-hmm. Which, for his one and only French, wow. French Open title, That's I think. Right. Yes, That's right. Very good player from, from the Italian. Yeah, serve and volley, stylish, yes. uh, basically the Nastasi-type game, the Nastasi haircut. Yeah, right. <laughs> but Same not the, look, but not the personality. Not quite. Right. He was a little more subdued. I would say. Yeah, that's right. right. Well, also, uh, we also uh, on the podcast have a story behind the story. It's a little background about what happened on this day. Also, we've got a couple of really interesting stories. No, Pascual, yeah, the Spanish the team. The, the Spanish. Well, I, you know, I love a good Spanish trinomial. I love yes. anything with three names. Love it. Yeah, of Spain. Yeah, they're of Spain, aren't yeah, they? Are they in right. Spain? Are they Spanish? They Conchita and Vivi, yeah. That's right. 6-3, six, 6-3 three, six, three in the gold medal match in women's doubles. Also, in 2004, at the same Olympics, uh, in the greatest day in the history of Chilean tennis, the greatest day, that's, that's amazing, this is the greatest day in 2004, uh, Ch- Chilean players uh, Nick Masu uh, wins, his, wins the, his first and second Olympic gold medal in a span of 24 hours. 
at the 2004 Olympic Games. Uh, Chile wins its first Olympic gold medal at 2.39 a.m. local time. I'm sure Sujay was up watching that match, weren't you? Late night. Late night tennis, <laughs> right. Yeah, where were you in 2004? No, I do remember watching that finals that Marty Fish played against. The uh, singles final. Yeah, singles right. finals, yes. Yes. Nico Masu beats Absolutely. Marty, yeah. Absolutely. Yes, and uh, so... He, so the, the doubles was played at 2.39 a.m., finally, uh, finishing up. They beat uh, Rainer Schuttler and Nick Kiefer of Germany. That was him. Fernando Gonzalez, who was about, what, five, five maybe, but, but uh, ran around the, the, the court like a, like a firefly. Man, he's he was a fast. strong guy, and I remember the, my private nickname was, uh, I believe Brad Gilbert used it too, is they called him the, the fear hand or forehando Gonzalez. Oh, for, for hand, forehando. Oh, yes, not he did not Fernando. have a, a backhand. He, did he had not. a decent one-hander, but just yeah. didn't use it and sliced 99% of the time, yeah. And, and then uh, 15 hours later, Masood returns to the court and defeats Marty Fish of the U.S. Uh, in five sets in four hours. I mean, gosh, the guy played, let's see, 10 sets in about 24 hours. I would imagine he was a little tired of Masood. Masood does not go to bed until 6.30 in the morning of his evening gold medal uh, match and in all plays 24 hours, 43 minutes, over 11, 11 matches in route to winning the gold in singles and doubles. That's a heck of an effort. That's wow. an effort. And speaking of effort, he here we are 15 years later. Nico Masu is the coach of Dominic Team. Yes. Similar effort, similar level of fitness and effort. And I can see Dominic Team rocking 10 sets in two days, too. Yes. So a lot of great things happened on August 22nd in 2004. So congrats to China and Chile on, on uh, the Olympic uh, feats. Well, let's get uh, talking with uh, our guests here. I think now it's going to be going to be fun. We're going to really get down to the dirt now. Really let's get do down it. Nitty gritty here with Coach Lama and, and Coach Almeida. You know, um, you guys. Uh, well, what's what's the uh, upcoming uh, season look like for you? What's 2019, 2020 look for you? Well, I mean, first of all, I mean, this is like a new lease of life for me because we have five new kids here in uh, this team this year from you know a couple of different countries. We've got a kid from China. Keishuan Zhao. Uh, we've got a kid out of uh, Egypt. Can you believe it? Hala, Hala, and a tremendous, you know, lefty player. A lot of international experience. Uh, career high, 140 in the world in the ITFs. Was in the ITF. Uh, this is ITF 1800s. Yes, yeah. and she was the number two ranked, uh, you know, player in all of Africa in the 16s and number two in the 18s. And so she was training a lot with the uh, ITF. Uh, team for Africa, all of Africa. And her last name is? Uh, Hala Khaled. Is it Khaled? Yeah. yeah. Badwi. Yeah. And uh, we've got two Germans. Uh, uh-huh. We've got very athletic looking Germans. I've met yep. uh, Sophie and Luisa. Luisa. And yeah. I, actually, you know, I happened to go to Germany last year for a showcase to really to meet the person that organizes showcase there, Sandy. And he's been a good friend for a long time. And so I said, no, look, I'm going to come this year because I want to meet you. Yeah. And there I go. To meet him, and I get two great players. <laughs> Athletic, <laughs> strong very, kids. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, and then good, we, good uh, we were very, very fortunate to get a, a kid out of uh, Russia who is transferring from Kansas State, also a very high UTR. This is so. Masha. Masha. You yeah. had Masha Kay recently graduate, and she's Absolutely. one of the most winning players in North Texas history. Absolutely. And then the most exciting news here is really uh, you know, the hiring of... Uh, Coach Rodrigo here. I love this guy. Brazil. I mean, and I was so impressed with him when I first met him here a couple of months ago when we played UTEP, and then I saw him uh, in action uh, at the conference championship when he was coaching the UTEP team, and 
And I knew he was really, really good. But yeah. in this time that he's been here, he's proven that he's better than what I thought. Oh, you know? that's so oh, I'm super excited. Great. Super excited. Did, did you all beat UTEP at the time? Or did uh, UTEP beat... Uh, he, it was a long day, actually. <laughs> we were supposed to play here. And it just went on and on until we went at night. Around 6, 7 o'clock, we went to SMU and oh, indoor yes. courts. And played? Yes. But that gave us a chance to really be around each other a little yeah. longer to get to really get to know each other. So, But we did beat UTEP. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> I do remember this. Yeah. Well, the coaching fraternity is a small world, so you never know. One minute you're you're an opponent, the next minute you're on the same side. Yeah, right? yeah. basically, yeah. it's so interesting because as a player, you're always at least when I was a player in the back of my head I'm like okay well maybe a coach is looking at my yeah. game and I, but as a coach I wasn't expecting to have another coach looking at me yeah. coaching another team looking you know? at my game <laughs> looking right? at my yeah, game different kind of game man. did I bring my A game here yeah. You know? yeah and a good you know story here is that yeah. there were two things that really kind of stood out and you know in life you never know how this kind of affects a job for, for example but Every morning, I would see him going for a run during the conference championship. So he's I a, saw he's a, a remarkably so fit, fit guy. In my mind, it was like this guy is, you know, very, very health conscious. He's a fit guy. I mean, he's disciplined. disciplined. So I saw that. And then one day, the day that they were playing FIU, he was giving a pep talk and doing the pre-match routines in the gym. And I happened to be working out over there, mm. so I got a chance to see him talk to his players and see the workout he put together and then the speech he gave at the end and I was like this guy's going to be really good <laughs> so that was his job interview without even knowing that at the time That's that really, my position could be open the best that was loose <laughs> yeah you're loose thing. <laughs> you're flowing you're doing your, your stuff yeah good so you all know each other basically like two years is that, that's it basically that year that he was at UTEP and then just right now no absolutely so, or maybe yeah. even less than two years less than that, yeah. yeah less than less than a year yeah because uh, when when I was with UTEP we came here in February I believe mm -hmm. so that's when we first kind of met but you know the UTEP coach coach Ivan there has always spoken so highly of coach Sujay that it was like I already knew this guy so yeah. when we came I was like you know yeah, he wasn't kidding. Like, the guy is fantastic, so. Well, tell us how you get from Nepal to the Warwich Tennis Center in Denton, Texas. Boy, there's got, there's got to be an interesting story. You know, now that we know a little bit about your team, we're going to talk about, about you all here for a second. Yeah, well, it was a great journey. Um, but I was, you know, when I was playing juniors, obviously I wanted to be a pro player. And so I, you know, quit high school after 10th grade just to pursue tennis and and you were top 50 in yeah, the whole world yeah. in junior yeah. 18 -unders. and then thanks to my brother i got a chance to train in germany so my whole uh, you know focus was trying to be a pro player but yeah. little did i know that i was going to get a little injury right yeah. before wimbledon so i was in the main draw of the may uh, of the juniors uh, wimbledon and i got hurt and that kind of you know took me in a different path so i had to go back and one of my mentors was uh, dr miller uh, an American lady who worked for United Nations in Nepal, and so she she guided me back into a um, American high school in Nepal to uh -huh. finish up my education. So while I was there, obviously there was a guidance counselor from New Zealand, yeah, and she's like, okay, you know what? There is something called college tennis in America, and you should pursue that. And you I had you've never heard of college tennis, never heard of you know, and her way to give me advice is, you know, she pulls out the Peterson's Guide to yes. Colleges and Universities. It's like a Remember phone that? book. It's a like big, a big, fat big book. Yeah, and he yeah. just, she just gave it to me, and I took it home, and after a week, I was like, I don't know where to begin. And 
lo and behold, about a week or two weeks later, there's a gentleman that arrived from Luther College, Decorah, Iowa, to Nepal, and he is recruiting about 150 international kids from all over the world because they wanted to diversify Luther College. Makes sense. So I have an appointment to meet him. He offers me a scholarship, and I was like, you know, I had no idea there was Division One, yeah, Division Two, Division Three. three I just wanted to come to America. Yeah, yeah. 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 College. and you know, and really? as long as they were gonna give me some kind of a scholarship, yeah. I am coming. I'm committing, and that was it. You went from the top of the world, uh, the Mount Everest, basically, to probably the flattest of our fifty states, Iowa. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. But Decorah, Iowa, is oh. the only part of Iowa. It's, the, it's beautiful. It's ah. got bluffs and lakes and, and bluffs. Iowa River, it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. But I'm from Kathmandu, so yeah. Kathmandu, the weather is more like uh, Northern California. I it's see. Beautiful. So I really hadn't experienced the cold until November, December, January hit in Iowa, where the cold was just incredible. So for me, it was a unbelievably new experience. Uh, but you know, again, look, I mean, I was blessed. Uh, had a great time over there. I met my wife. You Lynn met Lynn. Yes, She's also yeah, a Luther College student. Yep, yeah. and uh, it was a great experience. Oh, that's beautiful. I love. Uh, you wouldn't I do love any, that you came any differently, right? Well, you know, I would not. But you know, once in a while, I do sometimes. You know, think about what if I had had a chance to go to a bigger school. You know, tennis wise, yeah. and then you know, explore that route. But Oglethorpe. <laughs> slightly bigger, but similar. Right? Weber State, Weber State, Weber, yeah, the Wildcats up in Utah. Yeah, yeah, but you know, life is uh, amazing when you know you never know how it you know takes you, and and the journey has been fantastic, and uh, yeah, no regrets. Yeah, and while we're on colleges, we want to mention Rodrigo played at Western New Mexico, Silver City, correct? Yeah, and leave it to Craig Bell on the way here. We uh, drove together. He knows the mascot of both oh, your schools. Yeah, the Mustangs. That's yeah. easy. That's, 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 <laughs> just like SMU. Yeah, it's the Mustangs. Right. CB, I got to put the, you on the, the spot. Norse. The Norse. The Norse. He's all over it. Yeah. Luther College, yeah. the Norse. I know that that uh, Viking helmet. Uh, yeah. It was a Norwegian school founded by Nor- Norwegians. I assumed exactly. it was German Martin Luther it was named for. And then the town, too. So everybody that lived in that town at that time, you know, they were all blonde hair, yeah. blue eye. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, pretty much all of campus was like that and I had a long long hair and yeah. I used to wear a bandana so when I was walking down the street in Decorah tan and dark and dark hair and yes people yeah. just like looking at who me like, like who is guy? this guy who is this cat <laughs> exotic dude from Kathmandu right. so I always said I'm a Sioux Indian you know? right. so, and they believed me and I had an earring you know oh, you did <laughs> yeah I did <laughs> I never was that bold enough I had the hair I had the bandana and I was like earrings uh, I didn't if left was good or right was good, so I thought, no. <laughs> tattoos, are you a tattoo guy? No tattoos. No tattoos. Rodrigo? No tattoos. Clean cut fellas. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I did tell Coach Rodrigo and some of the girls that we win a championship this year. I'm going to color my hair blonde. Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's, that's all it. they have to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I you, can't coach? wait to see that. Are you I'm color your hair? I think you need to color your hair. If you I color, wouldn't mind you seeing I, yeah. I'm okay with that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. If you're asking me to shave my beard, then I would be uh, a little yeah. hesitant. <laughs> How about we just go, you know, you have brown hair, black beard. Let's go blonde beard oh, on wow. you. Blonde beard. Blonde beard oh, on you. Yeah. Let's do it. That look great. Okay, right, right here. Right here <laughs> on At The Net. 
podcast. We have a promise. Right. Coach Sue J, Coach Rodrigo say if they win the conference, does that be the like the conference conference or it has to be the conference tournament? Conference USA Championship. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that way you qualify for NCAAs yeah. as a team. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to color it's your... It's on the record now. It's on the record. Uh, and yeah. tell us uh, who are the tough schools Who's the competition? I know your team is looking stronger than ever, and last year was probably the best year ever, and this yeah, year even I mean, you're better. Yeah, our conference has been, you know, on the steady climb, yep. and of course, Rice has been the dominant team. Down in Houston, and, Texas, uh, yeah. you know, Elizabeth out there has done a phenomenal job. They've got great, you know, the most. Which team is going to be team? together the most, yeah. and in and, and, and that moment, can we get it done? Excellent. So. No, not, you're not going to say, besides North Texas, you're not going to give us a hint who might uh, give you the most trouble? No, I, I think, look, I mean, you've got to, you know, put Rice as the favorites. I mean, Still. they've won, I think, six out of the last eight They're championships, tough, uh, or yeah. if not seven out of eight. So they they have been the dominant team in the conference. So, yeah, we're chasing Rice, and hopefully we'll we'll get them this year. We're going to eat some Rice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't pass it. I was just sitting there. On the yeah, it was, it, was the, it was a very heavy peach, and Craig picked no, it. I, I got it. Right there. So, Rodrigo, how did you get from Brazil yes. all the way to the Warrens Tennis Center? Yeah. To At The Net Podcast. It's got to so, be a fascinating little journey, too. I know. It was a fascinating journey. And, uh, you know, it all started when uh, I decided that I had to go back and start teaching tennis in Brazil because of uh, financial situation after you know playing some pro tournaments uh, on the qualifying level and all that so when i decided to go back i had an opportunity to travel to another itf as a, a travel partner with a friend of mine and i didn't even take my rackets i didn't take you know my tennis clothes or anything because i was just gonna help him out and when I got there, I felt like signing up for the tournament, too. Yeah, you wanted to compete. Like, you were yeah, ready. I wanted to compete. And so I, I borrowed his rackets, and I borrowed his shorts, and I played. And then after, like, I made it a couple of uh, rounds, got, like, to the final of that qualifying. And then someone came to me, like, from an agency and asked me if I had thought about college tennis. So... Similar to to Coach Lama, I had like I had heard very little about it, so I did some research. And one year after, I was here. You know, one year after that, I was here playing, competing. So that was super fun. And uh, Western New Mexico received me with a welcome, uh, you know, super warm welcome, and I had a great time. And uh, when I Moving forward, fast forward a little bit, and now I'm here with Coach Sujay, and I look back and I'm like, wow, what a what a phenomenal journey, and I've learned so much and grown so much. So, very thankful for all these opportunities and so many people around my life that have made it possible. You go back home some every now and then. Every now and then, yes. It's been a year now, so planning to go back in December for Christmas break. Okay. I haven't been there the last two Christmas breaks, so my wife and I really want to make that trip there and spend maybe about three weeks with our families. Did you already ask Coach Lama? Yeah, does it work with the boss here? Uh, yeah, I think we're going to have to make it official here, too. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should have a big party. We all should go to Brazil. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Brazil in idea. December? Big one. When big it's party. cold here in the States, we go down Do the whole carnival and everything yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, go down all Rio. welcome. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes. You got a place to stay? Absolutely. Which state are you from in Brazil? From the state of Paraná, which is the state south of Sao Paulo. Gotcha. So it's not a 
as far south as Florianopolis, no. Santa Catarina, or, but on the way uh, down. North of that. Got it. Yeah. yeah, the one great quality of Rodrigo is that he's so passionate about this game, and then he's constantly wanting to get better. So mm-hmm. he's always learning and finding ways to be better. And he's teaching me a lot of stuff already. Oh, well, he and picked that's a great mentor part. also. He, yeah. I'm sure he's learning oh, a bunch too. Thank yes. you. Do you have a semi-Western yeah. forehand now? Is he a, a Western <laughs> forehand? <laughs> I'm sure he has one, but I know you. I think <laughs> mine's now Eastern, I think. Oh, totally <laughs> classic. Oh, no, Eastern? Yeah. From severe Western to <laughs> Eastern. Oh, Eastern. Yeah. Okay. No, Luther College didn't have indoor courts, so guess where we pl- practiced? The basketball gym. A wood floor. Wood yes. floor. Oh, yes. man. On I don't... day two, I realized I better learn how to serve and volley, chip and charge. Yeah, I wouldn't want to face his slice backhand <laughs> on a wood court. No, thank you. He was like no. a rocket. <laughs> I discovered volleys yeah. in Iowa. Of all and, places, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I know he's a nationally known coach, but he's also one of the finest 50-year-old tennis players. And people, me, uh, Division One college players, rip balls at Coach Lama, and his volleys are like drop, corner, oh, fade, yeah. boom. He just stands there. It really doesn't, <laughs> doesn't matter how slow and low you hit it mm-hmm. or how hard you hit it right at his sternum. The man is on The harder, the better. The harder, the better. The yeah. harder, the better. The soft <laughs> ones are the harder yeah. ones. He, he makes it look like, you know, my, one of my favorite groups is Cheap Trick. Benny Carlos, the, the drummer, has a cigarette just kind of hanging out. He's just hitting, hitting, the, hitting the skins. He's not even of, trying. <laughs> wow. So I yeah. can see Coach Lama there, not with a cigarette in your mouth, but just kind of, mm, nah, nah, You know, nah. talking about hands, I actually got to play against Leander Pace at the Asian oh, Games. Lee Pace. Really? In Beijing many, many years ago. One of the finest doubles players. And, you know, here we are against, and he was a little... Kiddo, I mean, he had just yeah. won Wimbledon Junior singles, and here we get to play. And I was like, "Who's this little kid? Oh my <laughs> goodness! All over, just what destroying a, us." What a mover that guy was! I mean, little did I know I was playing a legend, you know. And everybody knows Leander Pays as uh, one of the best doubles players ever. But in '96, the guy was a bronze medalist in the Atlanta Olympics. He had some some four or five set matches with some all-time greats like Agassi at the Open. The guy could ball in singles, yeah. Not just a dubs man. We need to find out who did he beat in Atlanta to win the bronze medal. Great Ooh, question. Okay. Yes, yeah. our research, research department. I know Agassi won. Agassi was the gold medalist. Yes. If I recall, Sergi Bruguera, one of my favorites, That's was right. a silver medalist that year. But who did Lee Pays? Let's figure that out. Yeah, Ooh, that's a good one right there. Come on, Rodrigo, you got to know this, don't you? Uh, yeah, I, I, I give was six yeah. at the time. I was five at the time, so <laughs> no, it's a it's a Portuguese uh, name, Pays. So we're gonna get we're yeah. gonna make you find that out. Let's yeah, do of course. It. Yeah. Well, while we're thinking about that right right now, uh, so you go from uh, playing tennis, great junior career, stellar junior career. Tell us about working with Dennis Vandermeer, because I want to hear about that story, because Dennis was a legendary coach in, in all aspects of the game, mm-hmm. uh, just notably, had unfortunately passed away, was, it, was just a true stalwart in our industry, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah, unbelievable experience, a great human being, great man, and so, you know, every summer I would go to Sweetbriar, Virginia to uh, work for Dennis, you know, because he had a huge, huge... Uh, camps out there and we got to know each other really really well and every uh, lunch break I was his hitting partner he loved playing points I'm sure and anytime you beat him in a game he would make a new rule 
you know, and a new rule. <laughs> so you always it. had to lose to him at some point. <laughs> yes. uh, you can only hit it in the that's alley. That's where only... you learn that. Exactly, oh, exactly. All yeah. games that he makes. So all of a sudden, every ball had to be passed, you know, the service line when my ball went the other side of the net or something like that. But uh, anyway, and uh, you know, he just really uh, was a great teacher, a great mentor, and uh, I learned a lot from him. And, you know, he really liked my work ethic. I think that's one thing that, you know, my brother Raj gave me when I was training in Germany, and I could really work. I mean, you know, he would wake me up at 4.30 in the winters to go and train. I mean, that's kind of the work ethic I had going there. So he really liked my work ethic, and, and he always said, you know, Sujay, you've got a job after college. If you want to ever, you know, come to Hilton Head and, and work, you have a job with us. And so at that time, I had no idea that, you know, I was going to... What that meant or anything? Exactly, you know, because my job, my, my whole goal was to work for United Nations, like my mentors did, and that was my major, you know, international relations. Like Dr. Miller. Absolutely. So you, that was your career path. Typically. Political science, you know, communication. So I wanted to be there, but... Right after I graduated in 92, I mean, there was a little bit of recession in this country and, and jobs were hard to find and a lot of people were not getting jobs. So I said, hey, I called Dennis and Pat and they were like, no problem, come on to Hilton Head. And, you know, if you've been to Hilton Head, that's a paradise right there. No, <laughs> that's yes, yeah. absolutely. Sure, yeah. And so, uh, you know, I went there and, and the next thing I realized, I mean, I'm you know, working with some of the elite juniors and then kind of worked all my way to the uh, the challenger, the satellite level players and and got very, very lucky. I uh, got to start hitting with Amanda Kotzer. <laughs> Who was there training? And you she was you coached her on the WTA tour. Yeah, I was the traveling coach. Yes, uh -huh. and so Dennis and Pat were the main coaches. But uh, you know, a couple of months later, I got you know called into the office, and there was Amanda there, Pat Vandermeer, Dennis Vandermeer. They said, you know, Amanda has something to ask you, and I was like, yes. Nice. Mm -hmm. Would you come to the Hopman Cup, and would you come to Melbourne, and and for the Australian Open? You're like. <laughs> Absolutely. No, 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 no. Yeah, and, you know, it was just amazing because we go to Melbourne and she wins the tournament. And she's like like the 16th seed out there. First match, she's down a match. But I was like, God, please, you know, do not lose. I is this Kuyong? Is this, is this Kuyong? The uh, this one was the one, it was Victorian Open that the week before um, uh, Australian Open. Okay. Mm. Yeah. And... She saves a match point, wins that match. The next match, she's down 2-5 in the third set. She wins that match, and then she runs the table, wins the tournament. So it was an un unbelievable experience. You know, from that, it was just one after another, another. So I traveled a lot. Eight, nine months out of the year, I was uh, on the tour with uh, Amanda. I did, I think, uh, eight or ten Grand Slams with her. And a bunch of other players, Mercedes Paz, uh -huh. Union Kruger, Liesl Hoover, Hoover a lot Liesl of South Africans, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Uh, I didn't realize that yeah, you had Marianne that. Marianne Swart. Uh -huh. I mean, there was a lot of, lot of players. And, and uh, you know, and at that time, really, you know, I was very passionate. I was yeah. very positive. Still are. But I was so raw, you know, um, as far as coaching-wise. Uh -huh. But uh, it was an amazing experience. So do you have, is our research department? We do, and, okay, uh, and this is how I, I definitely figured uh, Rodrigo would, would know some of this. Uh, <laughs> you know why? Of course, Leander Adrian Pays, Portuguese name, Indian legend player. He beat USA's very own, Texas's very own, Richie Renneberg in the first round Richie. that year. Okay. He took down one of our favorite, we were just talking about him as a broadcaster, one of our favorite Venezuelan players from Voluntaries, Nico Pereira stylish game he had 
Then Leander Pays took down very close, 7-5, the Australian Open finalist Tomas Enfist ah, two years Enquist, after that. Yes. Then he beat one of my favorite Italian players, Renzo Ferlan, very average height oh, guy, very stylish one-hander. And then he um, kept going and lost to Andre Agassi, pretty close, semifinals. And to play off for the bronze medal match, he beat a Brazilian, Fernando Melagene. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, a fin- very skinny Finio. guy, right? Yeah, that's it means his nickname. Fino yeah, or Finio yeah, means yeah, skinny, right? Exactly. Yeah. Good, oh, cool man, guy. That yeah. Guy is what, so good. What a nickname, you know, Skinny. What a heart. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a big heart, and on the court, like even bigger. Oh my, he would never get out of a match without having jumped. And, yeah. Uh, he would die for every ball, and yeah. I'm um, guessing he influenced so much you. I'm guessing he influenced my other favorite Brazilian player, Guga Kirtan. Yes. Seeing a big heart on the tennis Absolutely. court, right? Absolutely. Yeah, big heart. And kind of, good hair. And Good the best hair. Hair. yeah, you can't. <laughs> so those guys are uh, are doing a great job with tennis in Brazil nowadays. They're really supporting everything. So yeah, they they brought a lot of uh, a lot of attention to the game in, in our country. Did you come up um, in your state? Of course, you played national level in Brazil, but did you come up um, with a lot of exposure to those great players? Um, no, not really. No. I know you would hear about them, and you know look up to them, but I never really had the opportunity to maybe practice at their academies or where they were playing or anything. Mm. So. so did your parents start you? Who started you? Yeah, how did you start? Yeah, yeah. What was just, just out of curiosity? Yeah, yeah well, my, it's, a, it's an interesting story, to be honest, because my dad started, uh, you know, my, my uncle, I believe, was like in a country club and uh, they used to play soccer together and just hang out. And then my, my uncle called my dad and I'm like, do you want to try tennis? And you know, they went out and hit a few balls. Tennis uh, in Brazil is very expensive. You don't have access necessarily to, you're at a to club public there. tennis courts right. or anything. Are and there public courts there a lot? No, no. Not many. Don't. So it's got to be pro- more private-based? Yeah, okay. it's private, yeah. So then you know, to, for you to have you know, a lesson, it's more expensive. It, so it's... It's difficult in the beginning, especially, and then start, once you start traveling, it's even more difficult. But but your but your mom and dad they weren't tennis pros or no just, no they that was the first time that my dad basically heard about tennis and uh, when he started and I asked him I was like can I try and then he said <laughs> so he was he started taking tennis lessons because he really liked he did. And I'm like, Can I, uh, Dad, I want to I wanna take some tennis lessons too. And he looked at me and he goes, no, this sport is for adults because it's too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then the coach at the time at the tennis club, the, the country club, he looks at him and he goes, so if you're concerned about that, you should stop and pay for him to take lessons because he's got a future and you're, you <laughs> don't have, have any future, future. You have no, you're an adult <laughs> so, yeah. so that's when my dad started to realize you know so how funny. how interesting all that was and how I, so he put me in, into the lessons and I started twice a week 30 minutes uh, a day so one hour a week that's how I started and I picked up from there got some compliments from the, the coach saying that I had some talent yeah and the first tournament I played there you know I won like you the, were what about 10 years old I was 9 when I started nine. so yeah. t- roughly 99 2000 it was in 2000, 2000 yeah. yeah and he has a great story to share tell 
Adrian and uh, Craig about that story you told me about how when you were a little bit of a brat on the court, what your dad did. Oh, yeah, that's an unbelievable story. So, you know, coming from a very um, uh, low-income family, uh, we always really depended on, on others to help me out with travel, help me out with practices, expenses, you know, yeah. expenses everything. Like I, my coach back in Brazil... You know, never really charged me, and then everybody else around would, you know, pitch in, you know, a little bit for me to practice with their kids because they enjoyed that I was around playing. So, you know, I'm 14 years old. I get, I have a sponsorship, and I'm traveling now all over Brazil, and I go to South America, and I'm top five in the country. And I think he got to my head a little bit, and then I'm like, you know behaving badly on during practice and not really being appreciative and then my coach looks at me and he goes uh rodrigo you don't don't come here tomorrow you got kicked out yeah don't come here tomorrow your dad's gonna take you to work with him my dad is a motorcycle mechanic mm -hmm. uh you know he loves motorcycles he races motorcycles and it's it's in the family I so, saw your Harley Davidson logo on your on your cell phone. Right? Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Cool. I'm a big fan too. Yeah. So he takes me to work the next day, and of course, my dad wants me to value what I have, and uh, they always taught me, you know, very good values. So he puts me to work on the dirtiest job possible, which is washing parts of motorcycle with oil, motor oil. And, uh, you know, I get all dirty and I don't want to do that anymore. And it only takes one day for me to call my coach and be like, you know, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm so ready to go back to the courts. Uh, you know, I love playing tennis, yeah. I, you know. So that, that taught me a lot. And that I carried that lesson with me for, um, you know, uh, all the way through and in many difficult situations. And in, during the situation that I had to really look at the big picture and what I had, you know, so. This passion and perspective, I think we all need more of that, certainly in America where we've got it pretty pretty good. So yeah. my question to you is, do you guys know a good mechanic? Because I have a 14 year old son. I'll send him to Brazil. Does he still work on motorcycles? Yes, yes. Yeah, he works. That's still, still his job. Loves it, loves it, loves it. He runs the, the shop now and uh, you know, works with lots of Harley Davidson, yeah. lots of bikes. And that's, that's truly his. His passion, just like I love tennis, yeah. he loves. Uh, is he on the street or more dirt? Or uh, both? both, mostly street. Street okay. bikes, yeah. yeah. Interesting. So, and he races street bikes. Is he? Yes, uh, he, still in his forties racing. He, yeah, he uh, three years ago, I believe. Now he he won, you know, his category, you know, racing there and. And then um, you've got to be a mental. I've crazy. you know driven some cars around tracks, and you've yeah. got to be a mentally tough son of a gun yeah, to race absolutely. anything. But even more motorcycles, I think. Yeah. That's, that's more yeah. like fearless, crazy. Uh, yeah. yeah, just you, you can't worry about having an accident. I'm yeah. sure because if you do that, then yeah. there's no reason to race. Mm -hmm. Back in the day in Brazil, I mean, he would ride bikes, no shirts and flip flops, and you know lay on top of the bike and yeah. go like one arm just to race people and try to cut through the wind faster <laughs> and then as and, and I mean at the time he got married to my mom he was 18 
and uh, 17, my mom was 20, so I was born, he was 18. Yeah. And then he started being, getting, I guess, being a little more responsible after that, and child, little, yeah. little by little. So yeah, nowadays yeah. he looks back and he's like, oh no, God really washed over me because I could have. So instead of riding with one hand, he rode with two two hands now, right? Now two hands. <laughs> yeah, two hands. Double hand. And, and a helmet, probably. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, no, that's yeah, that's one thing that uh, the Bell family, we were never motorcyclists. I always appreciated people and watch them on uh, TV. And I was like, man, there's some guys that just, that, that would be, because you're, Leaning down, you're probably yeah. what about three inches your knee from the yeah. from the actual pavement. You're 100 going, something miles yeah. when you're not right. touching it. Right, yeah. right. So yeah. just to finish up that story, oh, yeah. I love motorcycles too, and I got my first one in the United States when I was in California, and then when I had to move to North Carolina, yeah. I just decided to ship my stuff and ride across the country. You so rode 12, across the yeah, entire continent. Twelve days, eleven states, uh, three thousand plus miles. Just took off, no just deals. myself and uh, no roadmap, just kind of wherever you wanted to go. I mean, uh, yeah. nowadays uh, you, know, you can GPS your yeah. way through, but then I would always, you know, I, I stopped along the way to visit friends, and it was a blast. So I took uh, took that time for myself. And this was on the way from California to, to North Campbell Carolina. University, yeah, right? The Campbell. the Campbell Camels. That's yep. right. There you Camels. go. <laughs> Unforgettable yeah. mascot. There. Oh, yeah. when I think of Campbell University, I always think of camels. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like the cigarettes. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no filter. I'll take a camel with no filter. Instead of Nike, their sponsor was a cigarette company. Right. Well, they're in North Carolina, aren't they? They're with Tobacco, Tobacco Road. Road. That's it. Right. right. Yeah. So, so Sujay, who started you? Uh, obviously, yeah. it had to be. Yeah, my uh, my dad was a pioneer in Nepal of uh, you know tennis, and so he was one of the main guys that kind of got tennis going in Nepal. He actually. Um, came from Burma. Now, he was Nepalese, but his dad was a Gurkha, soldier fighting for the, uh, you know, for the Brits. Yeah. And so he was born in Burma, and Burma was, of course, a colony of uh, the uh, Brits. Great Britain, yeah. So there was uh, tennis out there, so he had been introduced to tennis. So when he came to Nepal, he slowly kind of got into the tennis scene out there, and eventually he went to India and found out a way to, you know, Built some clay courts, and so the next thing I remember growing up, we had uh, five tennis courts, and it was called the Hit Center, Ames International Tennis Center. Uh, oh, HIT. Yeah. 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 Yep, absolutely. And okay. I just kind of followed. Oh, that I think you met my dad. Yes, you, he, he's been to Dallas. Yeah, yes. you brought him up to bed times. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I just would just follow the whole family, and everybody played. Mom played, Dad played, and you're both your brothers, right? Both the tennis brothers. Players. And, and they all were Nepal champions. Yeah. I mean, not a lot of people played, but yeah. they all became champions. And I just thought, yeah, you know what? i got to be a champion, too. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that was the family tradition. Yeah, yeah. My sister was an amazing uh, table tennis player. I mean, she was a world-class oh, player. A she played game. the world world championship. She played, like, three I'm Asian sure, games. Asian games, yeah. Yeah, and she actually won a couple of rounds uh, at the world championship. So she was a heck of a ping-pong player. She mm. played a little bit of tennis, too. Yeah. But my brothers, of course, they got going, and Raj got... You know, pretty good. And Raj on, won yeah. the Dubai Open. Yeah, that's his claim that's to fame. That's, that's his claim to fame. I'm sure it wasn't an ATP 500 back <laughs> then. It was probably more on the lines of a 250 or a challenger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but that's still pretty great. Pretty good. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. But no, I was, you know, I just, you know, just it was in our blood basically. Yeah. And uh, but I went to a boarding school in India. Mm. I was a you know Canadian Jesuit school in India. So when I went from third grade to th- 
10th grade, I mean, when I went to India, we didn't play a whole lot of tennis out there because there was a lot of tennis in my school, so I, I, I kind of grew around with soccer and yeah. cricket. Like, yeah, cricket. cricket, cricket we, did, you know, we had hockey. different seasons. Yeah, field hockey. We did yeah. everything plus a little bit of tennis. And yeah. so when I really played a lot of tennis was in the winter break when I would come back home. Back and then after 10th grade, that's when I kind of took two and a half years off to go to Germany to really hone my skills with Raj. And Raj was already a coach up there, right? He was, yeah. yes. I mean, a competitor too, but he was... Yeah. He's good, what, almost 10 years older than you? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. He's yeah. an old man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's older than Craig Bell. Barely. <laughs> he always says he's the younger brother and the better looking. <laughs> That's right. And your other brother, he's, he's an interesting guy too, isn't he? Very, yeah. yeah. Is he, he the middle brother or the youngest? Yeah. He's older, he's the middle one. Middle. I'm the youngest one, mm-hmm. and you've got V and then you got my sister Poonam and my my uh, brother Raj. Mm. But Vijay is a fan, uh, you know very very famous guy in Nepal. Uh-huh. Uh, he's an actor. Uh, he's a uh, you know a singer. Uh, he's a, he's a captain. He flies Boeing. He's one of the cool. senior pilots out there. And he has a TV show called Black and White. Uh-huh. It's kind of like the you know Larry King Live. You know like a talk show and where everybody has to wear black and white for right. the show. So. Probably has this kind of old school mic. Yeah, uh, you'll the folks at home will see that on our. <laughs> no, his, no, his set is pretty fancy. He's got a pretty, pretty fancy. But whenever I go to Nepal, uh, you know, I always get good perks when I say I'm Vijay Lama's brother. Oh, it's a big deal. You know, you get treated like a VIP. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so we can go there and we go. Hey, we know Vijay Lama, and they're go. Oh, well, we know yeah. all three Lama bros. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he actually got a little role in the Hollywood film. Everest. Everest. Yes, yes. the famous Everest yes. movie. That so, was a so tough if movie. you watch that movie, he's the guy that, you know, he's Captain Madan, who is the one who's takes his helicopter to rescue those guys okay. in the mountain. Right. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. That's Yeah, that's yeah. a that's a major uh, Did he fly, actually fly the helicopter? <laughs> no, it was actually in a studio in London. <laughs> oh, right. He flew halfway. <laughs> yeah. So they right. made it look superimposed green screen yeah. the whole thing. And all the shooting took oh. place so he was in the Alps in Italy. Uh-huh. Okay. And they also did do a little bit of shooting in, in Nepal, but it was fascinating, you know. I mean, wow. it was And that's based on a true story too, right? True story, yeah. And one of those guys is was from Dallas. That's correct, yeah. Yeah. That weather Dr. Beckweathers. Yes, mm. and the book was a big, big... Uh, into Thin Air? Yeah, Into Thin Air. I remember that. Oh, yeah, that was about 20-something years ago. You just kind of realized, and that guy lived. I can't imagine that guy living after in those kind of conditions that yeah. barely kind of crawled into camp about... A week later, they thought he was dead, basically. Yep. yep. Yeah. Or maybe a couple of uh, maybe a couple of days. But they and all those frostbites. Oh my goodness. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. And there's still. Have you been up Mount Everest ever? You know, I actually I took one of my uh, boss here, one of the athletic directors, with me. We went towards Mount Everest, and we got to Namchi Bazaar, which is like the last you know major little village before you make that two two more days of walk towards the uh, base camp. Base camp. But uh, unbelievable. So I mean, that's one of the things that if. You get a chance to do it, you've got to do it because you were his Sherpa. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, we had two guys that were our guide. And, I see. You know, they were guide plus uh, Sherpa. They would carry our, you know, main bigger items, but small little pack. You know, we got it and we yeah. walked. And it was fascinating. We never got all the way to Everest, but like literally Everest is right. Oh, you can see, see the, yeah. You just but it's still it's days. You got to keep walking and walking. But uh, it was quite amazing. It was a surreal experience out there. It's so nice and quiet, and and uh, it was a. Uh, it was an amazing experience, uh, but one I would recommend everybody to do. That's tremendous, yeah. yeah. So can you walk to base camp? If people want to go to base camp, can they go to base camp without having to go through all the... Uh 
oh, license certifications, that kind of stuff? Because that's what, 17,000? Oh, it's up there, my goodness. Uh, well, you, you know, look, you can't even take a helicopter there, but if you really want to do it right way, you need to make sure that you do it in, in, in stages in because a lot of times, you know, the, the, the sickness, the altitude sickness gets people. So and where you walked to was how high? How high did you walk up to? Oh, my goodness. Uh, 12,000? 15? Oh, 15. Okay, so you're considerably yeah. Yeah. way up there. Yeah, the air oh. is thin out there. Right. Yeah. Were you yeah. all starting to get altitude? Um, Not you know, sickness, but just, could you feel the I effects? could feel it, absolutely, yeah. But you got to fly from Kathmandu, you fly to a place called Lukla. And if you go to actually, the History Channel had that, the 10 you know most dangerous airports in the world it's, oh, it comes to the one. number yes. one and that's Lukla and the guy that's doing that whole thing is my brother who's flying there that's Vijay Lama that's Vijay Lama oh, yes man. so the day that it was played here in the US I got so many phone calls and text messages they were like what the hell you know yeah. what's going on looks like you it's, it's Vijay and it's Lama is that your brother it looks yeah. like you I'm like yeah that's my brother that's my bro that's him that's him he's right there yeah. that's when we have to put on the brakes really fast yeah, so, yeah. you hit the mountain yeah. Absolutely, that's right. And then from there, you start walking, and it takes you at least another, oof, I would say, about an eight-day walk to get to the uh, base camp. That's just, a, just the base camp. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. And eight then, days? Yeah, and do you know that, <coughs> this is a fascinating thing, do you know that when they get to the base camp, it takes about three months until they actually make that final move to go to Oh, to the, to top, the top, to the yeah. summit. Yeah, because what they do basically is from base camp they go up, they come down, they go up, come down, up more, and then when they are ready to go, at some point they go. But it's it's about a three month process to get them uh, to go to to, to make that final ascent to the uh, to the top of the mountain. Interesting, and only a certain period of time too, right? There's only it's a yes. very short window, and, and then if you're not yes. if you're yes. not in that window, then they say no, we're not going. Because they, they've learned, I guess, that, that it, it's, is it summertime or wintertime? When, when is the actual the, ascent? The ascent is, Period. I think, in the spring, I believe. Okay. Yes. That's the, and, and the best, best time for us to go for a hike to Nepal is October. I see, fall. Yeah. September, October yeah. is amazing. Because really yeah. the winter hadn't really set in. Is that Because it's northern hemisphere. Yeah, right? I mean, so winter would be too deadly, I would imagine. And uh, you've got the summer monsoons. But typically, when you look at, you know, when they go for those that window to go to Mount Everest, I think it's in late spring. I see. Yeah. And they start moving in, but then they time it out to when? I believe so, yes. Somewhere September, maybe, that they start to really walk on up there to the summit? Something like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I just remember reading the story and watching the movie, and I knew that there was a lot that goes into A lot. It's fascinating. Yeah. And, fascinating. and you're right. I knew that there was a, a whole... It, it takes a long time also to even to get to base camp. You want to at least train years in order to to really get to the point where you can get to that point and then you, no you got to build the base. Yeah. Kind of like tennis. Yeah. Like getting to play for North Texas. Yeah. you, you got to have some skins on the yeah. wall, basically. And then thanks mm-hmm. to the Sherpas because they do the heavy lifting. I mean, they are the ones who are really taking the, the load. The big packs. Yeah, and then they're, they're amazing. Fit, fit guys, they're amazing. Sure, yeah. 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 And some of the problems that they've had over the years is that a lot of people are so aggressive in wanting to be on top of that mountain that, um, you know, they don't really listen to the Sherpas sometimes uh-huh. and they get in trouble. Uh, they get in trouble physically, huh? Yeah. So yeah. we know that you might have to be. Uh, you're on a time. Rodrigo's race, got right? players, right? He's got to go work. Right? You got you got to go to work. Unfortunately, yeah, right? So yeah. you're gonna. 
sign off for a little bit. We might even still be here by the time you get back. You can't call that work. But, yeah. Uh, oh, you love your job. You're not working. Yeah, yeah go just to fine. it, man. Yeah, however long that you're going to be out on the court, what do you got, yeah. an hour, two hours? Uh, I've got a three-hour hit probably, yeah. yeah. Oh, three hours? So we'll be here for three Excellent. hours. So we'll Super fun. Excellent. Right. We'll still be here. Maybe we'll get some curry and wine over at Roger's house afterwards. <laughs> yes. I'll come back. Well, well, go ahead. Yeah. It's been really fun to have uh, Rodrigo. <clears throat> Rodrigo, thank you so yeah, much. Thanks. What a pleasure you've been. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for yeah. the opportunity. This is great. I've learned so much today. <laughs> you, know, you guys are awesome. And, uh, yeah, I'm super excited to be here. Very thankful to Coach Lama, all of you. New friendship, new start. Our family is very uh, happy to be here. You know, my wife is super happy and uh, we can't. We just can't wait to start the season now. And well, a couple of weeks just, you're on. And his oh, wife man. is an unbelievable cook. Oh. And the dessert she made. Oh, I'm telling yeah. you guys, Uh-oh. we better try that. I'm I can't wait. Not, what 500 pounds? <laughs> I know, yeah. I'm getting there. I'll tell you. <laughs> we can move this oh, young man. Yeah, yeah. He looks like he's got uh, some speed and some wheels around the court. <laughs> kind of like a young uh, Sujay Lama. Craig, you know, you know how you take everybody to Australia. We got to go to Brazil. I think yeah. so. I think we go down there, yeah. just to the Brazilian Open. Let's do it. Yeah, and, and that, that would February. be what time frame? Yeah, in February, right? Yeah. Oh, we can catch the carnival there, too, then. Yeah. At that time? <laughs> well, hey, let's go down there for like there two weeks. <laughs> would two weeks be enough, or does it need three weeks? Hey, the more the better. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll put an Especially action the, podcast travel uh, trip down to Brazil. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll the recovery to time, too. You know, it takes a while to it recover. It takes a little time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sell, sell that already. Right. Well, that won't interfere with the, with the season, would it? Yeah. Would uh, have... Well, that's the thing. You know, it's been tough because it's always in the middle of the season. So... Yeah, maybe we can yeah. take a North Texas. Maybe there's some college matches that might uh, be down up, in the Brazil. Pick up a few matches. Right. Yeah. Are there yeah, Brazilian? Is we there go to Hawaii. We go to this place. And we got to go to Brazil and play some tennis. Yeah. Is there college tennis in Brazil? I just no, realized no, there, no. their flag is green. Mean green? Mean green. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Meant to be. Right. Meant to be. Totally meant to be. Yes. Well, Coach Rodriguez, thank you very much. And thanks thanks yeah. for your time. We certainly appreciate uh, you spending a few moments at the net with us on the podcast. And, uh, you know, best of luck uh, to you here with working with one of the, the true coaching legends. I wish I the was best. A, a woman and been able to uh, be about this time because I'd love to have played at North Texas. With you. <laughs> no question. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. My pleasure. Yeah. Okay. We'll see you later. Yeah. But we'll keep on with uh, Coach Lama. Yeah. And, uh, if we've if got, you got a couple of seconds, we've got a couple of yeah, questions. Yeah, we've got a few oh, hard-hitting questions. Yeah, absolutely. So we want to make sure that, because uh, you've been a coach for a long time and done a lot of different things, what, what's your overall coaching philosophy? What, what, do you, what do you like to think about, you know, with the ladies, whether it's uh, uh, on court, off court? I mean, because there's got to be, you know, some type of different types of training. Why, why have you been successful? Well, I mean, this is my 25th year. I'm starting my 25th year. And I think really, you know, at North Texas, the last 14 years, I think that's when I really found my true self. I think as a young coach, sometimes, you know, you are looking at different coaches out there and you're reading about coaches and you are looking at different styles. And, of course, I was blessed to be at Florida with Andy Brandy. And, you know, Andy was a tough, tough coach out there. And, I mean, I learned a lot. But, you know, I kind of... You know, evolved slowly 
but surely, and I think the last 14 years, I think I really found who I am and what I'm about. Mm. And I think it's more of a holistic style, more inside-out coaching versus outside-in coaching. I think earlier when I was the head coach at Illinois, I was like, okay, yeah. this is my chance to be a head coach. And I know, I think uh, when I look back, I go, what was I doing? You really? Know? <laughs> what was I thinking? Hey, you had good help, though. What was it like to be head coach at Illinois and your assistant was a Wimbledon champ, Joanne Russell? Amazing. I mean, yeah. and Joanne was the volunteer assistant at Florida and of course at Florida I mean we won four national titles yeah. two indoors two outdoors oh, women's tennis three SECs we lost one match the three years I was there and that so was to Georgia? Stanford oh Stanford yeah, yeah. Okay. and of course that lineup they had um, Ann Kramer was the number two player who became top 30 in the world yeah. and you had number one player was uh, Lilia Osterlo who Osterlo. was top 50 in the yeah. world and of course on our side we had you know uh, Don Booth we had uh, Amanda Basica we had a great lineup uh, Stephanie Nikitas Tracy Green who is now the head coach at Harvard played for us and she played number she was like number seven I think she didn't even she play I don't think so six, yeah. but uh, no so you know I think that the last couple of years I think it really I, I, I evolved and I think the key was is make sure that you know that I knew who I was and what I'm here for and what God has given me you know and and the talents I have and so I would say you know one of my strengths is that I identify good people yeah. I surround myself with good people and I know where my strengths are but I also try to bring people with different strengths and that's where like a guy like Rodrigo is gonna be great because the guy is young he's got the energy he loves you know, he loves fitness. He's great at, uh, you know, video analysis. I mean, so there's a lot that, you know, he brings to the table. Yeah. Um, so my philosophy is really, you know, I think the key is um, to really communicate with, our, with, uh, with the athletes, uh, to really understand the athletes. Um, and then, of course, I mean, there's no shortcut to being good, right? I mean, you've got to work hard. No shortcuts. And, um, and I think that, you know, as a coach, you have to be a role model. So, you know, if you can ask them to work hard, you better work hard. Mm -hmm. If you ask them to be on time, you better be on time. If you ask them to be fit, you try to be fit too. Mm -hmm. So although I'm 52, I mean, I still try to hit the gym. You're I still try very, to very, very young looking uh, for 52, yeah. Yeah. So besides very. talking the talk, you got to walk the walk. Yeah, you have to. You have to. And, uh, you know, a lot of times the answers actually come from the athletes. I think the more, the older I've gotten, I think the more I listen. Mm. And so if I'm going to a locker room, if you hear me talk, I actually ask questions. As opposed to telling them what needs to be done, you're, you're sitting there helping them figure out what they need to do in order to get the job done. Exactly. Exactly. And so, and a lot of that, you know, you know, but you know, you learn like over the course of your time, you learn, like I'll give, I'll give you a great, great story about Amanda Coatser. I mean, oh. when I was a young coach and I was trying to really impress her one year, uh, one time we were at the Australian Open. This was like, I think the second year we were at the Australian Open. I really wanted to impress her. So I went, I knew that she had about six rackets for stringing. So the next morning I go and get all her rackets I uh, put the stencils, I rip all her, you know, rackets, and here she comes, and I'm like, Amanda, I've got these rackets for you, and she looked at me and says, don't ever do that. <laughs> well, later on, I realized that that was a ritual, like she loved to do those things in the tournament, that kind of kept her mind, you know. You thought you were going above and beyond. Exactly, yeah. exactly, and so routines mattered, right, and, and so stuff like that, so over the years, you, you know, you kind of learn a lot from different athletes, um, but, you know, trying to make them a family, I think that's the beauty, 
beauty of our job is, you know, it's so tricky. You have eight individuals. Like right now, I've got a, two kids from Germany. I've got Russian. I've got a Hungarian, uh, Indian, Japanese, Chinese. Uh, who am I missing? Egyptian. Egyptian, right? And so now you've got Trying this. Trying to get them all together. Exactly. And they've played individualistic. You know, tennis is a very individualistic game. Yeah. And, and here I, you, I got to make them a family. And, and I think that's, you know, that's the fun, but also the, the tough part of coaching. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, of course, you've got so many rules and regulations with NCA. So a lot of times being yeah. on the court is the easiest part. Coaching them how to hit the ball or they've already, they already know how to hit the ball. But even the at the end of the points. day, they've, they've got to be students as well. And yeah. they're, if they're not, they don't make their grades, then absolutely then they're, they're absolutely sayonara right there you see number one academics number one mm-hmm. tennis so I always and I have that philosophy here that uh, you know you are here for you know tennis and you are here for academics a lot of these kids I tell them look I mean you've got it because a lot of times you see when I've seen this sadly is a lot mm-hmm. of the kids that when they make it and they got the scholarship Oh, they've made it, and that's it. So they, some of them see that as a finish line that's rather than a exact. starting, starting block. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's, that's, that, that's one of the tough things is to how you keep that passion for the game alive. You know, how you do you ignite that? How do you keep that lamp, you know, mm. burning, right, that desire? And so those are the challenges we have. And then uh, college is a very tricky age, too, because these are 18-, 19-year-old kids that also there's distractions. Yeah. You know, there's... Boys, there is parties, and so how do you maneuver? And and the so way I look at it now, yeah. also, Craig, I'll tell you, um, I think being a parent helps me a lot to being a, a good coach. You know, because when I, my daughter is nineteen. Yeah, some of the kids over here are younger. Yeah, that's right. She's a sophomore in yeah. college. And now. so yeah. a lot of my things, like you know, what do I want for my daughter, right? And so all these parents that they trust me in coaching them, I'm, I look at them as like, okay, they're like my daughter, mm-hmm. and I want the best for them, right? And I want them to be great human beings, I want them to be great players, of course, I want them to win and be successful. Um, so, you know, you, you you focus more on the process, and you, you have to be very disciplined in the process, and you have to help have accountability, and typically that kind of leads to winning, and you know, wherever I've been, I've won a lot more than I've lost. And, um, it's and your academic... But your academics have been very high too. I remember go, going to your banquet uh, a few months ago, and the act, all of them. Yeah, I think you had the highest. Did you not win the conference? Maybe. Or? Yeah, we are yeah. right up there. I mean, we've every year our GPA is about three point five as a team. Tremendous. I mean, in, in a, and that was the highest, maybe even at North Texas. You know, we've across, had those. The, yep, yep, across, across the, the other sports. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, you, you know, you just you know, you, you with young people, you have to kind of raise their expectations and say, hey, this is what. And they rise to it. And I think my philosophy on this is that tennis is a, you know, you, you, better, you better be a smart player to be a really successful tennis player. And because it's cerebral. I mean, you've got to be thinking. It's, you've got to be making decisions. It's and, cerebral. You've got to solve a lot of problems yeah. out there. And those problems change from first set to second to third. Problem solving right yeah. there. And so I think that already gives them the edge. And then we've got, of course, here in America, I mean, wow. I mean, the opportunities you've got. We've got academic advisor. We've got academic coach. And then we've got tutors for every subject. And there's the physical side, not just two or three remarkable coaches in you and Rodrigo. And, and you've got trainers and all. But you've got trainers and a nutritionist I met the other day, Sam. And, uh, we got uh, yeah, we got strength and conditioning coach. Uh-huh. Two of them. 
man, I want to come back to college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back to college. Yeah. So and Luther College, we didn't have that. Yeah. <laughs> you get to do all that on your own. Hey, you? I was leading the conditioning. I mean, I, I had the whole gang running around with me and doing all the things I was doing in Germany. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, no, college tennis is, I mean, I, look, I wake up in the morning, I go, this is not job. I'm just, just going out there and having fun. I mean, and the resources that we have. Look at this. We've got 12 courts. I mean, growing up in my country, we didn't have 12 courts. 12 courts in Nepal, maybe. Yeah, probably 12 courts. Or even less. I'm I'm probably sure. Not exaggerating. No, not not exaggerating. Not exaggerating. And then they have this facility. This is just one of hundreds of courts just in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Absolutely. And you look at the high school courts around, you know, the state of... This great state of Texas is yeah. it's ridiculous. It's, it's unbelievable. It's pretty impressive the level oh, and, and the yeah. facilities we have in America. Yeah, you know? yeah we, we, the land of everybody wants to come to. I don't care what uh, people are saying that you know we, we get a bad rap sometimes. I know from some political people that think, oh, we're going to leave this, that, or the other happens. But everybody wants to come here. No, I mean, absolutely. And nobody no. wants to leave. No. Uh, there, it's yeah. very. It's a different country here. It, it is, and we're all you know we're all just. Uh, from somewhere else, and, True. and we're all, even though there's Native Americans here, there's still uh, everybody's from somewhere else typically, and it's, mm. it's, it's such yeah. a great country, just like in college. So let me ask you a, a question, just to kind of thinking about what we were talking about Americans, and is there a different philosophy that you use with like the American player versus the international player? And you, you know, go into that kind of psyche. Do you, you look for American players? Do you like American players? Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, yeah. you have to, you know, recruit the way you're going to be successful. So at Florida, we had the best American players in the country. I mean, so we pretty much handpicked them. So it was like I would say we had I think one foreigner, you know, my first year, and then it was all Americans. But we were always getting the best of the best. And the so, national ranked. Yeah, uh, I mean, top fifteen. In those days, you know, they were in the national team so we always kind of pretty much had you know it was Georgia us and Stanford yeah. and maybe Texas at that time because they were pretty good at that time and in Illinois I mean my teams were 80% Americans mm-hmm. because you know I could recruit American kids and so I had a great experience out there with them and then here of course you know the level of American kids that you know, come want to come here are not good enough because our team is really, really good. Yeah, the trickle down. I mean, because there's only so many kids that are go to Florida, yeah. Illinois, Stanford. Of course, the big, the really. I would say this isn't a big school, but this is a big school because you're one of the larger schools in the state of Texas. Yeah, but yeah. recognized like the University of Texas, A and M, TCU, SMU. And there's only so many American kids to go around. Absolutely, right. and you know, I, I don't want to stereotype any like you know, okay, uh, Americans don't work as hard as you know Russians or you know East Europeans or whatever, but. Um, because you're so hard working American Yeah, people. yeah. I mean, I've, you know, I've had uh, great American kids that have worked amazingly hard for me, and I've had some lazy ones, right? And I've also had, you know, like, uh, you know, a couple of foreign kids that, I mean, have been incredible, I mean, work ethic-wise, but I've also had, you know, issues with them with their work ethic. And mm. so, um, yeah, but, you know, I, I do think that because as I am raising my own son, you know, as a 14-year-old, I, I look at how the American kids, the kind of opportunities they have over here, they do try to take, you know, things granted. And when I do go, like, to places like Georgia and I try to go to places like, you know, Hungary, I mean, you know, they, they are appreciative of what, what, what they get over here. So uh, I do see that quite a bit. Um, um, and really, I mean, when you bring them to the, the team and, and, and they're part of the culture, I mean, they're either going to stick and, and do it or they're not going to, they're going to bounce off, right? Yeah. And so if it's not a fit, I mean, they're ultimately going to go somewhere else. 
So it's interesting that you know you brought up you know your son Sid. He's a nationally ranked kid and uh, really nice player. And, and in fact, you and I have both had, had a yeah. chance to hit with the kid. He's Sid the such kid, a wonderful player and a good character. And a, and a fun guy to hit with. And I'm blast. so appreciative of you guys. I mean, you guys are, this is a huge village over here. I mean, you guys are all part of his life. And, and I realized early on, like, I mean, I, as a dad, I want to be dad. And I want all these wonderful people that are here that, that love the game, that are so good at it. I mean, they're all going to help me because I'm going to have a great relationship as a father mm. and hopefully a little bit of coaching, you of know, course. but through all of us. So, so is it hard to coach him as, as, you know, a parent and a coach. Can he separate Dad Sujay from Coach Sujay? Does he? You know, what what are your philosophies like? If somebody's listening to the, the podcast as a a parent, how much should they be involved with their child? You know, early on, middle, you know, uh, later on. Is there something that you might give you know to them? Maybe that. Uh, your secret, because obviously, you know, Sid's a really good player, and he's got, he's only getting better, you know, because he's working with A.J. Chabry. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah. AJC, you know? yeah, wow, that's such a complex question, really, you know, but... No, I meant it to be like that. No, yeah, I, I think that the, the way I see it is that, I mean, you have to be a parent first, right? I mean, I think you have to be a dad first, but at the same time, you know, I had two kids, and, you know, my first one, I kind of, because of my own experiences seeing so many uh in a tough situation with so many parents being just crazy out there with their children. You're talking junior uh, tennis or college? Junior tennis. Uh, college, junior, right? yeah. yeah. So yeah. I kind of backed off a little bit and I felt bad later on. Like I should have maybe, also there were times maybe I could have pushed Priya a little bit more because, you know, they're kids. And so you can't completely back off too. Yeah. And then after that, I realized, okay, there's a, a moment here with Sid. I got to kind of push him a little bit, but still be a dad. And, and let him kind of taste a little bit because once they get the bug, they want to now they want it. Like today is a day off for Sid. I mean, he has been going straight for like eight, nine days. And he just called me like right before the podcast here saying, Hey, dad, you mind if I go to hit like with Jackson for an hour? I just need to get out of the house. I know I just want to hit a few balls. And that's his and, day off. He wants to hit. And it's 102 degrees outside. Exactly. And so, Impressive you know, so as you, you know, you guys know this as well as I do, I mean, the best motivation is intrinsic motivation. So it's our job to like, how do we get them to be intrinsically motivated? Environment, um, a, a lot of factors that yeah. are subtle and, and kind of deep low. Yeah, I mean, surround them with good good mentors. Like, when, like you know, it, I've, it's unbelievable. Like, chemistry you have, AJ, with uh, with Sid is like, I just go out there and I'm just like ball boy. You know, I pick up all the balls, <laughs> I bring the towel, like, the ice water. And, and, you're, like, and you're one of the know. finest coaches in the whole country. Yeah, and then so suddenly fun. I come back, I come over there and go, hey, AJ, look at the knee bend there. You know, and oh, yeah. And then he, the yeah. AJ's hammering away. <laughs> <laughs> so you, I think, I think you have to be a psychologist as a parent, as a coach, and I always tell my wife like you have to be, you have to be three moves ahead, and so that's what I try to do with the girls in the team too. Is like be three moves ahead, you know, and and after you do this for twenty for twenty twenty five years, you do get a sense of okay, what that next move might be. You know so, what's going to happen exactly. Exactly. You know the question before it's even asked. A lot of times, you, that's pay, you're, yeah. that's yeah, that's what you want to do. But having said that, every day something comes and I go, dang, I I learned something new, <laughs> and that's the beauty. Is like, oh my god, I just learned this today yeah. <laughs> at the age of fifty yeah. or fifty. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh my Kudos goodness. Thank you for letting you know 
especially like AJ, he really yeah. works with, with uh, your son, and, and not everybody is comfortable in that because you're an accomplished coach, like what we were talking about, yeah. but you let somebody else into the, the opportunity to help your son out. And I'm very picky. And what, I, what, what did I say a few minutes back? You know, I, I, I have a good sense of when I see a great human being out there, a great coach, and I think that's what I do is I recognize great people out there. And so, and that's, that's you know, that's, that's the main part out there. You know, and 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 so somebody's listening to the podcast. Same thing. They've got to have that that sense. There's got to be yeah. If there, there's you can tell if you've got a right coach or a wrong coach or something out there. If there's whether if you, there's always that sixth sense. Yeah, you've got to do your research. You've got to have a good instinct. You've got to get a feel. And and I think that's what I try to do is I try to feel people. Mm-hmm. And and you know, nine out of ten times I get it right as far as you know identifying the right kind of people. Yeah, probably, and I, even college players for you also too. If you switch back to college. I'm sure that there's people that probably wouldn't match up. You kind of you get that feel when you traveled and you've been over to all these different places, and that you go, mm, that's not the girl I thought she was, or mm. that I don't like the parents. I'm not sensing something about the parents that's there's there's something not quite right. Absolutely, and also you've got to be able to read between the lines because everybody gives you the line, especially in the recruiting front. And you know we have very few, yeah, exactly. smiles, and we have very few opportunities to have contact in the recruiting process, and so because you know all the coaches, all the agents, uh, you know all the parents. They, of course, there's there's a vested interest there, right, to send them for a full education, yeah, full scholarship. Course. They I mean, this is about have... sixty thousand dollars a year, four yeah, years. Right. No. I mean, that's, that's a quarter a million, absolutely, and maybe even more than that, right? Yeah, in some right. places, they go on to masters or whatever that kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's a very important decision, not only for you. I would think that you'd want to go as much as possible, even into the home and visit and see, just kind of look around and see how they keep their house. Which I do. Yeah. Which I do. Is that it clean? Is often. it disorganized? You're starting to pick up visual clues at the same time that you're talking to them. You're, you're sizing up the situation with this kid really. You're only going to spend a couple of hours with them. Yeah. And then, but for the rest of your, you know, for a year or two years, three years, you're having to deal with, you're their parent, basically. Absolutely. If they're coming mm-hmm. from Egypt, let's say, yeah. you're going to be this little, this girl's parent for probably four years yeah and, and it's so easy in the process here to like pull the gun and, and offer the scholarship because it's mm-hmm. so competitive there's like 15 other schools that have you know offered the same kid and this kid's 11 year tr so the the urge is to like let's go ahead everybody knows right where those those yeah. stones are there's nobody that really gets in this under the system anymore mm-hmm. is there out of the radar screen they're pretty oh it's yeah, yeah with the internet i mean everything has changed there's no Facebook hiding has yeah. changed you know everybody you know it's just unbelievable instagram yeah. you can see kids out there i've yeah. seen Pictures of kids hitting ping pong, and you know, I'm going, golly, at five years old, this kid was playing ping pong. I was like, holy smokes! <laughs> or the little girl that was a couple of years ago on YouTube hitting tennis balls in her dad's house. You know, you could tell that, that little she was, net, yeah. yeah, that little net, and she looked like, man, she was going to eat somebody up. And I thought, wow, that's a fascinating. You wouldn't see, we wouldn't see that when we were growing up. There's no way, no way. So there's there's very few kids that go unnoticed probably yeah that's what your job gone are those days of just peterson's guide to college (laughs) (laughs) that big book that yeah yeah. and now you have kids like from latvia and you know slovenia you know they know everything about not texas Mm. they've already done their homework on the internet right they're prepared oh absolutely they can see all the pictures all the things they see your tennis center the orange tennis center Mm. they see virtual tours right yeah. yeah, in fact, cameras. Sophia, who came from uh, Germany, and yeah. she was highly, I mean, she had at least about 30 offers. I mean, she never came for a visit. She was too busy, so said, 
I'm going to check everything out on, online. online. And her sister plays at Fresno State. She kind of knew the system, and boom, she decided, you know, she's going to choose North Texas before she visited here. <laughs> the Bulldogs. Fresno, Fresno State, Craig knows them all. I love it. <laughs> yes, yes. And when I think of colleges, I always think of mascot. That's yeah. what I'm saying. mascot right there? So what's Web of States? The Wildcats. It's the Wildcats. We're Wildcats. And there's too many Wildcats out there. Yeah, they're, they're, it's pretty generic. Generic. There's only one mean green. Right. That's right. Well, and Eagles, too. Your Eagles and your, right. yeah. yeah. You're kind of like Auburn. You Auburn the has the War Eagle and, and the, the Tigers. Tigers. Kind of, but it was Joe Mean Green that right. played for North Texas. Mean Joe Green, uh, yes. Dallas Pittsburgh, Cowboy great and from the, the 70s. And the Pittsburgh Steelers, Steelers too. So, had the famous Coke commercial. Exactly. Thank you, Joe. Remember yeah, that yeah. his jersey? Yeah. Yeah. So relatively new, this Mean Green is. It was after the Joe Mean Green era that they said, hey, you know what, there's too many Eagles all around BFW. we got to... Yes. So they became. That's when it became the Mean, the mean Green? Green Eagle. Yes. Uh, really? I didn't. Yes. That, that I didn't know that. Does he? Ever, you ever see Mean Joe? Right? I do. He, he comes quite often. Yeah. And they actually just built a huge statue right here of uh, Joe Mean Green at the Apogee Stadium. Yeah. Which, by the way, you know, the Houston game. I would like to invite you guys to come over. We're coming. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a yeah. big game. University of Houston. Yes. Yeah. It's. I'm not sure it's a homecoming Cougars. game, but yeah, it's a big game here pretty soon. We do have SMU at. SMU. Oh, that's in my neighborhood. I'll come to that too. You yeah. walk over. Yeah. yeah. And next weekend we we have Abel and Christian here. Right. ACU. Yeah. yeah. Wildcats. Yeah. That's another Wildcats. Wildcat. Yeah. Also. Yeah. But anytime you guys want to come for any football really? game, I I go to all of them. I have, you I have do. A when I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. When you're in town. But next weekend I'm going to US. You get to go to the US Open. Yes. That's right. Yes. You're going to do, do you have a player up there? You're just going up there for. I'm going to actually do the high performance coaches uh, clinic there, and we get to go out there and, and see some matches and get to discuss. We get to talk, talk about the coaches um, out there. Some of the top coaches, some of the top players will come over, talk to the coaches. Some great coaches out there. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And then, of course, they do a little bit of recruiting. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Well, yeah. And, maybe and just watch a little them. bit and, yeah. and root for you know, Rafa Nadal. Oh. And, and, uh, <laughs> so, who are you going for? Okay, so who are your picks? Who are your picks? Oh, okay. boy, I come tell on. you what. Men, men. Um, go men first. You know, I was men. Oh, for men. Oof. Joker? Uh, yeah, yeah, I would I would put Joker as the favorite, and I would put Rafa because he just won the Canadian Open. Yeah, and they're in opposite yeah. halves. Roger is in the top half with Djokovic, uh, slated to meet him in the semifinal for the U.S. Open. Yeah, the uh, draw. Just came saw out? the draw. Yeah, really. So I believe it's uh, Novak and Roger in the top half, Dominic and Rafa in the other half. Yeah. yeah. What about Andy Murray? <laughs> Come on, AJ, you got to do that. Do too. that. Let's Come hear on. that. He, he does a good Andy Murray. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's tremendous. Uh, it's been great, but I'm uh, not in the singles draw this year. And I'm just doubles? not quite ready. I'm, are you, are you playing with your brother? You know, I've, we've thought about it, but uh, we're, we're just not there yet, sadly. I'm in North Carolina at the moment and uh, lost first round, so I'm really just considering challengers uh, at, at this point. <laughs> You're going to dive down to the challenger. Oh, okay. If it was, it was good enough for uh, Agassi, it's good enough for me. So you're going you're to start down at the low level and work your way back up in a year, right? That's it. All right. Well, well very good to you. See, we have all sorts of people here. We just had Rafa, Rafa on, and, and we've Andy. had Andy Murray. Yeah. We, 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 I know Rafa was in the pre-show banter, so that may be oh, okay. accessible. We oh, yeah, we'll do that. That was early. Well, we've had Rafa so, yeah. on, the, on the channel before. 
We have. We have. And I know that's Coach Lama's, one of his absolute favorites. You know, I, I kind of gravitated towards Rafa because, you know, look, I didn't have the big shot, so I had to work so hard. So I kind of relate to that. Yeah. I do admire, I mean, I, I mean, I love watching Federer. I admire Federer, you know, of and, and of course I, 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 you know, love the way uh, Djokovic moves and, you know, amazing generation of tennis players. It's I mean, this remarkable. is unbelievable times. Yeah. And I hope it lasts a little longer. Yeah, I mean, the big three have, have punched out probably the greatest era of any time uh, I mean, in, in the I, I history thought, of the tennis sport. I thought we were in a remarkable era with Edberg and Becker and Agassi and Sampras. Kramer. And they were all kind of approaching seven, eight slams, Villander, Johnny Mack. I mean, that was a remarkable era, 80s and 90s. And this is, these guys have double the slams. Yeah. They're so prolific and their careers are almost twice as long. And what's so cool is that yeah. like watching Wimbledon, I'm like going, this is probably the best that Federer has ever played. So he has improved constantly. At the age of 37, 37 he's, he's playing, probably playing his best tennis ever. It's hard to believe, isn't it? Unbelievable. Yeah. So, so, so Djokovic, back to uh, U.S. Open. Djokovic is probably your choice. Uh, no, I'm hoping for Rafa, Rafa, but I would say you know Djokovic would be the favorite. Okay, dark yeah. horse. Who's, dark who's your dark horse? Who, who's out the, there? Who's, who's the sleeper out there that we can? Medvedev has had a good run, but I'm not sure if he's gonna run out of gas. I mean, playing those three events, three finals in a row. Yeah, and you got to go five sets now, and you go two weeks. You got to win seven matches. Yeah, that, that's. That's unbelievable tennis when you start thinking about that. Yeah. So, uh, Tsitsipas? Hey, you know, that's the one. And he's kind of cooled off a little bit, but I, I do like his mentality. I do feel like he has that championship mentality, so I, he's one of my favorites. And I, it's going to take a couple of years, but uh, I do like uh, Felix. Oh, yeah. yeah. Another August the, birthday like you. Yeah, out of the, yes. yeah. Out of the younger guys, I, I do like those two. And Medvedev, of course, has now kind of taken off a little bit more, but I do like Tsitsipas. I like Felix and uh, yeah, Francois. Uh, Tiafo, American you, kid. You like him? He's doing pretty good in the Winston Salem, right? He's, he's in the yeah. waters, I think. Um, yeah, the American men kind of frustrate me a little bit. You know, they get to a certain certain level, and it seems like they just can't take the next step. We have what's been since Andy Roddick, right? Yeah, that's two thousand and three. Three, yeah. Uh, U.S. Open? U.S. Open 3. It was our last slam from an American man. That's a male. pretty good drought right there. So you start thinking, mm. I mean, John Isner, great guy. Sam Query, nice guy. Marty Fish, nice guy. Just hadn't had a whole lot. The cupboard had, we've had nice players, but just not yeah. great players. Yeah. I mean, I, I like Taylor Fritz. Taylor I Fritz. enjoy the Riley Opelka game a little bit too, but they're not at the level of this Sissipas, Medvedev. Um, for whatever and my philosophy on this is that I think at that level in men's tennis to be taking that next step you have to be an incredible athlete yeah. too yeah. mover the mover yeah. yeah yeah they're not what I would I would call John is or not a great mover even though he's tall Riley Obelka yeah. they're not that smooth yeah six Query. like or like a, uh, what's the the kid plays for the Mavericks the the, the, the new new kid oh uh, Luca Doncic, Luka Doncic. Yeah. he's a smooth mover yeah. six ten six eleven yeah. that's that's the kind of mover I'm thinking that these guys on the tennis side, if they'd be like him, they, they might be unbeatable yeah, yeah. from that standpoint. And that's what the Felix and Sissipat has, and they move pretty dang good. Pretty move. For pretty their size. They're yeah. pretty tall. And they're both 6'4", 6'5". 6'4", 6'5". Yeah. All right, so women. What do you think of women's side? You know, okay. I was watching the Canadian Open. I really liked the way Serena was evolving until that injury. Yeah. But I was thinking if she could have won that tournament, I think she would have been 
my primed yeah go. my number one pick mm-hmm. uh, but I you know it just kind of depends on the, on her back, back. okay uh, so I you would, think that's you know, from lack of practice or is he just getting older or maybe that might have been a way out I'm not tr- I'm not trying to cause controversy I'm just trying to think I would say and cause it and cause it go okay. for it man <laughs> I, I think there's always drama around Serena <laughs> she likes drama she she's, loves she's good at it man she's oh, so good at it yeah. <laughs> unlike Venus Venus is totally different but I'm just thinking okay well, is that a made up is that something that uh, she felt like oh oh I feel the back twins I think I'm gonna I'm out or is is that legit because you know she's had a kid and so I mean you're getting older and and not training as much BJ uh, Billy Jean uh, called her out for not uh, practicing enough and, and yeah she got hard. fitter I mean you could see that she'd yes. gotten fitter since Wimbledon you know but what she's doing is unbelievable I mean if you, even if you think like you know if she was out of shape I mean what mm. she's been in the what three finals of three slams right in the last year, year and a half yeah. and even you know recently she was in the final of Wimbledon but no I think in Canada she looked fitter she looked very, very focused. I like the way she played against uh, Naomi. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I really think test. she did tweak. I mean, she played back-to-back four or five matches in a row. And Maybe I think, many. yeah, at the, at, at the U.S. Open, that one-day break, I think she's going to be able to pace herself better. And if she has a couple of easy early rounds, yeah. I think watch out in the in the late stages. I think she's looking semi, pretty she, good. She might yeah. later. Yeah. But, you know, women's tennis now, I mean, anybody could win it too. I mean, you look at Barty. I would and love to see Barty versus Zarina. Who would have picked Barty to win the French and who would have picked Hollip, right? Yeah, I mean, so right. anything is possible. Yeah, Barty yeah, with the serves and volleys, yeah. It's a good era right now for women's tennis. Yeah, yeah. If Serena and Venus leave and they hand it over to somebody else, there's enough storylines out there that I think, as opposed to the big three, there's no big three at, at this point. And yeah. I think I was doing research that, there have been the numerous Grand Slam winners for one of the podcasts on the women's side. It was just mm. ridiculous. Nobody had won two in a row. Yeah, really, and very tough all to individual for anybody to defend. Yeah, yeah. who are you? Very rare. Craig, what do you think? You know, I, I'm I'm always a King fan. I, I love Roger. Everybody Roger knows Federer. I, I love the King. Uh, I, he should have won Wimbledon. Dad, gummy Roger, Roger, come on, <laughs> go in the net and go. Uh, quit, quit staying, staying back. You know, and you got a huge serve, so use it. Use the weapon. Forty fifteen. You're at Wimbledon. Uh, I'm gonna go Roger. I think he'll he'll get Joker. Maybe he learned in the semis that he needs to. To exercise those demons at the U.S. Open and learn something from Medvedev. Yes, yes. on the About first and second, going serve. On the second yes. serve, second serve, yeah. forty fifteen. Yeah, you got to go. go. For you you got to hit that that one thirty second serve also too. Just if you're at forty fifteen, you, you you just keep going. I mean, uh, I, I, I'm a little biased, but privately, I feel like Medvedev learned that from Kyrgios a little bit. So I think Kyrgios, the man everybody hates, is also somebody they kind of look up to for that wicked serve of his. Hey, Pete Sampras did that all the time against Agassi. How often? Yes. Second serve, ace. 125, 130. Oh, yeah. There's some great stat that uh, Pete Sampras went down 30-40. Held ninety something percent of the time, just for fun. Went down he, break point. I think he did that just for fun, just yeah. to challenge. And that's like, yeah, okay. But I my most favorite stat from that Wimbledon final was the one stat that you know, Djokovic had over Federer. Tie breaks. Tie breaks. That's it. Zero on first errors. Zero. In three tie breaks. 
yeah, that, that's hard. That, that guy's still on a different planet. I mean, I I recognize greatness. I just I I just don't like him. I mean, I, I yeah. like him as a player. <laughs> I just don't like his personality. He's just not my mm, my my cup of tea. That I'm, and there are people that like you know. And he know wouldn't that. he wouldn't have it any other way. That's, I know. that's right. He, he he wants to be adored, but. He doesn't care what we think, man. Not one like, iota. The, the more we hate him, the more that guy wins. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, yeah, he liked to stick it to. He could hear it, at, see it at Wimbledon. I mean, there were fifteen thousand fans. I think fourteen thousand nine hundred ninety-four were for Roger <laughs> yeah. and six, maybe in the players' box of Djokovic. They were they were trying to out cheer the fourteen thousand nine hundred plus fans that uh, were going going for Roger Federer. Uh, on the women's side, I'm going to go. Let's say with. Um, Ooh, uh, Halep. I, I got to go for Halep right now because she's playing really good tennis, and I mean that that girl is is pretty tough. She actually seems to like the wind and the yeah. heat of New York City too. Yeah, so. and, so, and somehow she's kind of overcome. You know, like I know her and Cahill. They used to argue with each other all the time. Yeah. Cahill, and yeah, she seems to be a little more whatever it is. Uh, found peace with herself, you know, because she could, boy, she could be really tough out there. I know yeah. Cahill used to get after her for, you know, acting up and kind of moping around, kind of like what Lindell did for for Andy. Told Andy him Murray, to, yeah. You know, told yeah. him to, you know, hey, knock it off out there. Yeah. You, know, you want to act like a champion. I think somehow she, she's uh, she's being coached. Uh, who's her coach? Um, oh, uh, he, he's done a really good job with... Halep right now, not that Cahill hasn't, but uh, I like uh, I like Halep, uh, and then uh, as a dark horse, I'm going to say, oh boy, that that Dennis anybody you can't pronounce their name, I don't like. You know, we've got a thing on the show here. If I can't pronounce their name, they're they're not getting my uh, they're not getting my my dark horse for the women would be uh, Madison Keys. Oh, I she love her well, serve. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, Serena Williams has the best serve of all yeah. time, but I like Madison Keys' serve maybe if, a little better. If technique she can wise. just go for bigger targets, yeah, go for yeah, it, yeah, but bigger the, targets. The corners, yeah. yeah. A little bit margin of area is a little bit. Yeah, she played, she's played really well. Last weekend she did well. Um, Let's see who else. Who, who do you like? Uh, you, you I, I am a fan of the guy you're talking about, uh, Thierry Van Klimput, the guy who's coaching Simona. Uh, that's it. Yeah, yeah okay. Thierry. And, yes, uh, I knew it was something. I couldn't couldn't exactly remember. He was an I wouldn't say obscure guy, but yeah. he's not a well known. I love his name. It's a trinomial. It's kind of Dutch, but his first name is French also. It's Thierry. Kind of cool. What'd you say? Van Klimput. Klimput. Part of the Beverly Hills. I think he was. I think he's a Klimput. He related to Jeb. <laughs> Texas tea. <laughs> you destroyed that name, and Craig destroyed the Chinese name. For the <laughs> Ting Ming Ping. I'm like, what the hell? I could have said Ping Pong. <laughs> Excellent. Right. Excellent. All right, who are my picks? Yeah. You guys went very intelligent, well-rehearsed, and if I'm a betting man, I go with your picks. Okay. But because I'm not a betting man, and I just love the game so much, I am for some dark horses. I am for... Um, I feel Dominic Team is, yeah, he's number four in the world. Is he really a dark horse? I don't know. But he's got to be a little angry about his bad summer. A pretty good French Open. He's in Rafa's half. It's a hard court. I don't know who that really um, Well, that backhand gets going. Holy smokes. I love his backhand, and I want to see five sets, him and Rafa, semi. 
and I have this feeling he may have a chance in that one. And then um, no Stan though the the other band. You know, emotionally, I'm for Stan and Nick. I love both Australians, Kyrios and Barty. So that's who I really want to win. <laughs> but Kyrgios. the smart money is not on Nick Kyrios. You're not yeah. gonna go lay. Uh, <laughs> I gotta put that house. You know, no actual money on on <laughs> either of those. But I want. Ash Barty, Nick Kyrgios, I want Stefanos and Stan. That was, for me, the best match at the French Open. I would love for them to play. I haven't even really in-depth looked at the draw. I simply lost. I, I looked at where the seeds are. So I'd love to see Stan, Nick, and Stefanos um, go pretty far. And Medvedev, like suggested. Yeah, I think theme, I think, is the court position that kind of scares me. He stands so, yeah, pretty far back. Yeah. yeah, if he just could adjust his stand, yeah. you know, court positioning, I think... Definitely. He's, he's trying to good. call lines. He's yeah. trying to call lines. He's trying, he's trying to be back there. Yeah, yeah. with the yeah. umpires. The line uh, people. Hey, well, to... you know, we mentioned Nick, uh, Nico Masu in the beginning, and he's coaching Dominic. And I know Nico Masu is a South American clay court guy. But we're saying he, hi to uh, Yeah, we're saying to, hi to Gabe, who... Stringing a couple of Wilson, Wilson's, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like Masu has good advice, and it's not clay. Let's stand near the baseline, and let's rip. You know, maybe you get Agassi to because uh, he he was the king of standing at the baseline. Totally the king of standing on that line and, and taking it, everything early yeah, right. and punishing everybody. Women? Women's draw. Madison Keys is one of my favorites. Ash Barty is one of my yeah. favorites, and I want to see them challenge Serena in a final. That would be awesome. I like to see. I'd, I want to get Serena over that hump. I just want to get her twenty fourth slam and, and then see let her ride off into the sunset because that's know. I know what she's trying to do. I mean, she's definitely had one of the the greatest. Careers ever probably uh, uh, in the open air. Now yeah. you look at Margaret Court. Holy smokes! Yeah, what she did was pretty darn impressive. Even when it wasn't open tennis, let's yeah. say, but there were still people. You had to play tennis, and you, you, there's no fault to anybody's era. I don't think no. that uh, even like Rod Laver. I still think for me, Rod Laver's the greatest player ever. Because I mean, the guy got banned for six years of playing tennis. You know, basically couldn't play in yeah, had, all the yeah, slams. Had to play, six, seven uh, years. Barnstorming kind of yeah. tennis. So how many more no slam titles does this guy punch out? I mean, he could be in well into the 30s easily or late high 20s. So, you know, he, did, he didn't get that opportunity to play like Roger, you know, Rafa, you know, uh, Novak. So I, I for me, he's, he's uh, like I said, you can't hold back the fact that he had an era where he couldn't mm-hmm. participate. So that's that's kind of a bit of a hit on somebody like that. Uh, uh, but um, it's good open. Hey, we got a lot of good talking points. You're going to be right up there. Yeah. Yes. No, I got, you had the badge. Yeah, I got the badge, and I also got my family coming with me, and we Excellent. got uh, three night sessions, and we've got a The kid going of, with you? Yeah, the kid's going to be there. So the and kid gets to watch some good ball. The hope that, you know, that he'll learn something from those uh, pros out there. I know he there. will. I, osmosis, too. He'll yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Absorb all that, and he's that kind of guy. So, does he want to play college tennis or pro tennis? Or uh, what, you know, we, what's kind of his aspirations? I know he's only what fourteen. Yeah, uh, you know, we keep talking about that. We always say, you know, the goal, uh, the goal is uh, college, mm-hmm. and the dream is the pro. You know, and why not? Why not? I mean, dream big, and and you've got this amazing opportunity in this country. He's got plenty of practice he's got, partners exactly. around here. I mean, mm-hmm. Dallas is a really good good yeah. uh, starting point. I, I don't know if it's a great. Uh, at some point, you might go to Florida or California to really hone your craft. Yeah, but, and but there's enough, you know, here in juniors and, and just so many friendships here. I mean, Brookhaven, T yeah. Bar, you've got you know Dance. They all have been so welcoming to get you know matches for for Sid and. 
you know, it's just a great opportunity. So why not? We just go out there and just be the best that you can be every single day. Put money in the bank, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Well, he's yeah, if he's wanting to practice on his day off, he's doing something right. You know, he's thinking that, <laughs> like what you said, that 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 intrinsic value to to really you know to take that next step. I think yeah. that's what all true champions have. They don't want a day off. And it's just the little things that are making you. You know, it just gives me so so much joy. Like the other day, I saw him. You know, working with AJ on the the low volleys, and and I love the volleys, and then just and that's such a field shot. That's you know, that's it takes a while to develop, and he was already trying to get that. And and when you see something like that, you go, wow, it's 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 beautiful, you know. Watch that, oh yeah. yeah. And at, at the younger age is when you can see a lot of things, you know, evolving. Whereas in college, at some time, you know, you, you see kids that have already done that for so many years. It's hard to change, but when they're young, I mean, they can really he uh, he assimilates things very yeah. quickly. Yeah. yeah. Very smart, like his mom. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> well, it's been a real pleasure to have you. I know that we don't want to take too much of your time. We, we, do, we do want. We do want one more thing. You got one more question. We, we, we okay. often uh-huh. we often end with uh, "Get off my lawn," which is middle-aged men yes. ranting about something. Let's open that up. And sometimes it's you, and sometimes it's me. I want to hear if Coach Lama, if there's anything that bugs you out there in junior or college or pro tennis. So, oh. this is, so the fifth set, I get to go. Get off my lawn! <laughs> <laughs> right, so, uh, so Mr. Chabria, I tell you Lama. what, I tell you what, it's the, the cheating that goes on. The cheating that goes on junior tennis, oh, wow. uh, college tennis, uh, it is, uh, it's, a, uh, it's, it's a load full, really. And it's, it's sad. And, and I mean, how do you fix it? Well, in college tennis, when I have dual matches, I spend nearly... Ten grand this past year on getting six officials. Not three no. officials. Six. So every court. Every court has an Every official. court, every home match I have, every home we match. have a, uh, an official. Is, is that a conference rule now, or is that just no. a Lama? No, because Lama. every, every you know, program have to use the budget the way they want to. And so, mm-hmm. you know, after all these years, uh, it just you get so frustrated and it's helpless feeling. And so you try to control controllable right yeah so in college that's I a have found a way but yes. you go to these tournaments you know in like in the fall we would play a lot of tournaments and we'll play regionals and there's like maybe three roving umpires and there's like 16 courts yeah and and players Absolutely. seem to know out yeah. of the side of their eyes like okay the rover is not yeah. looking I'm, I think I'm going to hook and on it's, that. You know, and, and the junior level, is it's so sad. And you look at the 12-year-old, 14-year-old, and, and, and there's somebody that's just completely destroying you mentally because, you know, you, you're just calling bad lines over yeah. and over. And in and, and, and sad cases, sometimes you see some, some, some parents as, you know. Complicit, huh? Yeah. yeah, I, even, I, yeah. Even, I know yeah. some coaches who say, well, hook back or... You know, hook a, like make a couple bad calls, retaliatory. Yeah, yeah. And so I don't know I, how. I, I, I would not no recommend thanks. that ever. I know that, like I said, there are contemporaries out there that have, have said that uh, to do that. But that's I just don't feel good about. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is a gentle, gentleman's game, right? No. But it's. I think it's. Uh, I don't know if there's a solution. I mean, the cost would be amazing <laughs> to have. Uh, shot spots or whatever, but I hope that somebody somehow creates something that will be able to, you know, better the game. There is more know. technology out yes, there. Yeah. I don't think it's perfect yet, but there are a couple of Grigor, uh Gentile, there's a, a guy from Northern Cal that has mm-hmm. a, a device that you put on top of the uh, net. The net, net post. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that calls lines, actually. And it's about $200 for each device. And, and I mean, he's, he won tennis industries. 
uh, product of the year at I think they had they held it at the U.S. Open just a couple of years ago. And it had, he's he's hit the market uh, not really hard, but yet uh, it's a device about the size I think of of a, of a small like a phone or two. Phone, yeah. yeah, that you you attach. And uh, Mel McCree, our buddy Mel McCree from Lubbock Country Club, has, yeah, has, has one. It says it doesn't work indoors as, as well, but outdoors it, it does work work okay. Wow, yeah. And I'll tell you one more thing that I would yes. mention that is another this, good rant. Yeah, another, another good rant is you know this bathroom breaks and then the injury breaks. Call the trainer. Yeah, calling the trainer, and it's kind of kind of evolved from the pros to now the college and. To juniors, where they're trying to break the momentum, but they're wasting so much time and energy, and it's so obvious, and it's happening. It's happening at all levels, and so we gotta nip it on the butt as quickly as possible. Yeah. Yeah. So, so do you feel like college? College says you can control it a little bit more, but junior tennis probably—that's where you see it more in the junior tennis world. Yeah, you're seeing this more and more often when things are you know, not going as well, and they want to break your momentum. Yeah. They want to distract you. You know. Time out. It's just saying, hey, <laughs> bathroom break. Hey, hey Sujay, you breathe in or breathe out. out. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. That was the old one. Do you breathe in or yeah. breathe out? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Do I yeah. breathe in or breathe out? <laughs> okay. And the, on the WTA tour, you yeah. see a lot more than in the, in the men's, in the ADP. But it's kind of trickling over to college, too. And then a little bit also to, to juniors, for yeah. sure. I, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm seeing that, too. So the yeah. gamesmanship is kind of, <clears throat> that's yeah. another part of the, Cheating in tennis, that it's the yeah. games and shit side of the... Icing the other player, dubious yeah. timing on bathroom breaks. Uh, when you don't really need to go to the bathroom, no. you're just trying to break break yeah. the momentum of the play, yeah. uh, your opponent or opponent. Just a win-at-all-cost kind of no. attitude and, and not you know valuing why, why you're really competing, right? I mean, the right way. So it's sad, but it is what it is, and no. you can rant about it, and hopefully... You know, we'll get better. I, I know we've, we've I've, I've talked about this on other podcasts, but I think yeah. that also too that uh, there's other sports that offer uh, officials to be on every every uh, court at on uh, their sports. Pickleball does uh, uh, also uh, racquetball. I've, I've been around those two sports uh, in the past and seeing officials that get paid a small match fee of about five bucks. And I, I've heard that on the the speaker phones. That, hey, I need a five dollar official in the racquetball world or in the pickleball world i i wouldn't mind paying extra money and uh if it was a hundred bucks let's say as opposed to 40 bucks well to pay those people at least to be a court monitor or call the score out or just a different set of eyes i just think that that's uh like in junior tennis we all grew up with people we knew who who the people who would uh, pull a fast one on us yeah and meaning a biased yeah you didn't want to hit close to the line if you get close to the line you weren't getting that oh i see you mean an opponent who is yes dubious and then that person that calls that you know bad lines i mean 30 years later you still remember those people oh i remember (laughs) matches like that you do too i'm sure yeah that uh and i can almost guarantee you that uh John McEnroe probably frustrated a couple of guys to quit playing tennis. You know, I'm sure that not that I have any personal knowledge of John cheating, but mm. uh, I would say that he might have pulled a match here or pulled a match there, and, and somebody decided, you know what, screw it, I'm not going to play anymore because if this is the way tennis is, I mean, because, you know, Little League Baseball, Little League Soccer, you know, at least they have some 15, 16-year-old kid or something out there. Might not be the greatest person, but there's somebody out there. There's an there's a innocent bystander who has no dog in the hunt mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's some something out there, but we try to instill that value of honor, you know, the game. True. Uh, but what you're saying, like right now, it, it's thrown out the window and, and 
we better do something or this this keeps going because it, yeah. it could mean scholarships it means pro tennis you know hey here's a guy a kid that was really good he goes you know you know what? I'm, I'm not, I don't even want to play anymore. You know, no, because- absolutely. I mean, we just had this uh, the Allison, the little kid that yeah. played the uh, the Super Champ Flight A this past weekend. This is girls know, twelve hundred. Yeah, quarters, and she's coming back home crying because this you know opponent just completely cheated her in every other game. Yeah. So yeah, I, I uh, it's sad. It, it, it's, it, it, it's a cancer. Yeah, and it's been going on for years yeah. and years and years. Not just since we've been around too in junior tennis. True, and that, it's still the same. We're still talking about it. I, I just think that uh, something needs to be done. Like I said, if, if it's higher uh, fees, hey, why not? Well, you know, that's that's part of part of doing business to, yeah. to clean it, up the sport. It know. is truly one of the only self-officiated sports. Even I think it's the only one. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the only one that uh, mm-hmm. even in adult tennis, we know some adults out there that kind of will pull a fast one every now and then on you. There's, there's a few. <laughs> there's a culture of it. It's oh, sad. Yeah. 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 yeah, and you just kind of know that uh, and they got they got away with it yes, for a long time. Kids. So now they've got it, you know, in their blood. Yeah, yeah, and we we haven't stopped the 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 uh, the actual problem itself. We haven't solved anything with that. And, okay. and like I said, I, you know, the great game is great. It just that's the one thing that gives me a black eye. Is what what you're talking about right now is that cheating mm-hmm. gamesmanship that's been going on for for decades. Let's put it that mm-hmm. way. So let's do something about like I said about this. Maybe start a movement. We'll say I'd like to you know, you know propose that we charge hundred dollar fees at tournaments. I I think we would all pay it. It might be. A, a little bit more hit to the pocketbook, but at least you, you know you feel like your kids got a fair shake you know, when they're playing. Quality, yeah, yeah. But who knows, right? Unless and if somebody else can think of something, let us know. Gosh, mm-hmm. we'd, we'd be happy to. Uh, maybe that that line calling device, this guy from Northern Cal, the French guy, yeah. has out. Uh, uh, that that's a way to officiate. Uh, I mean, it, when you have fifty courts, it's hard to have fifty officials out there. That's that's a lot of. A lot of officials that you need on every court, but at the same time, if it's something that uh, uh, makes our sport better, I think you got to do something like that. you got to take a hard look at what, what we're up to. No doubt about that. Amen. Amen. Good stuff. How about that? How, we end on that. Is that an amen? I heard amen. <laughs> amen. Uh, amen. That was again, wonderful. Right? Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. Well, I can't thank you guys enough. I mean, this oh. is amazing, but more importantly, I appreciate you guys, uh, you know, friendship and, oh, and just loves. the passion you guys have, the positivity, the two of you, I think, it's unbelievable. I mean, I think we are blessed in you know this area to have you guys, and and just for tennis, Thank I think you know you guys are a true blessing. It's I, such a pleasure, and we're uh, good friends. We're, we're we're pretty darn proud to have Sujay Lama and Rodrigo Almeida on oh, the show. Yeah, absolutely, Thank you yeah, so much. Great. Yeah, no, we we, we appreciate uh, uh, everybody. The tennis community is a great tennis community in the Dallas area. Whether you're a college coach, whether you're a country club coach, whether you're a high school coach, you know, there, there's uh, we all enjoy the great game, and I think we all. Uh, enjoy the Dallas you know, community the Texas community is, is a really close knit group and you know, for the most part everybody pretty much gets along yep. you know, from the fraternity oh, yeah. that we're yep. a part of the coach we definitely group. yes definitely. No, we all know that. each yeah. other yeah yep. Yep. So, a couple yeah. housekeeping notes shall we our next guest you can bet that our uh, bit of a discussion about John McEnroe will come up because our next guest is Tom Gullickson uh, this coming weekend. Yeah, and you can bet we will ask him what was it like to be on the other side of the most famous rant the you cannot be serious. Yes, that, at that Wimbledon. Very uh, did, you, two. did you ever run into Tom Gullickson? <clears throat> speaking of coaching, just real quick. Yeah, I mean, I've not gotten to know him on a personal level, but mm-hmm. I've been around him in you know uh, different situations. But yeah, yeah absolutely, Gullies. Uh, the neat story about them is that they went to Northern Illinois. Yes, DeKalb. Yes, 
and I was coaching at Illinois. So that was, of course, you know, that the Wolves? that. Yeah, yeah, but, they were uh, there in the 70s. In the yeah. 70s, but wow. Northern Illinois Wolves? I good think. question. Our I research department is going to have to get on wolves. that. I think that's You're so good. And Ken Flack and Robert Seguso, they went to Southern Illinois. Is that the Salukis? Yes. Look at CV. The Salukis. The Salukis. Yeah, he was famous for Hairgate. I was telling some people a story. I was talking to some ladies about double hitting. And I was teaching a lesson just the other day. And then we got, uh, I said, it's, it's even, if you double hit, it's fine. But I said, if it hits any part of your clothing or it hits you, then uh, uh, the point's over. And I talked to him about Hairgate, even if it hits your hair. Because Ken Flack was in the famous Hairgate. Yeah, he had the mullet like, like Jay had back then. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I remember, was it Noah or Lacan? It's a great yeah. player. Yeah. Hit, uh, it hit and it touched his hair a little bit. Yeah, it was uh, flack, yeah, because because he had so much hair and the ball came right at him and he flicked his head and the ball went past his hair in a tiebreaker. <laughs> he had a shag, you know. I want to make sure it's a shag here, not, not a mullet. Not a mullet. It's it was a shag, shag. <laughs> right? <laughs> I had one too. You did. You did. <laughs> I had shag haircut, not not a not the mullet. Yeah. yeah. So well, uh, Northern Illinois, the Huskies. Oh, the Huskies. Uh, I was close. Yes. You're very good. Very ah, close. I can see yeah. the logo. I said the wolves. Yeah. That, that's kind of a husky. Uh, it's isn't it? pretty, yeah. It's That's close. pretty close, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It almost pulled yeah. it out of there, but yeah. So that Hairgate, but that uh, was pretty funny, funny stuff. That uh, but Gullies, yeah. It's, it's gonna be fun to talk to. Yeah, I'm looking Tom forward Gullickson. to having Tom Gullickson. Um A couple other housekeeping notes. Uh, any sponsor words? We've got a couple segments tonight. Uh, we always thank thank our good buddy Blair Deskway with Master Systems, one yes. of the best in the resurfacing business. Uh, if you need anything to uh, have resurfaced or repaired. Uh, new uh, see our buddy uh, Blair with Master Systems. You can find them online. Dry socks, our buddy Big Soxy, Don, Don Crucius, Reggie Young. Reggie Young yeah. I, I'm wearing my dry socks. Do you have your dry socks you on? You know, I went with the Lacoste ones today, but, uh, but uh, dry socks if, are if good. If I'm sweating a bunch, I I'm hear Reggie dry there. Is a Reggie Hill a sponsor? Oh, here? No, Reggie Hill needs to be. Reggie Thrill Hill. We've yeah. got to be in the sponsors category. We, we need him. We'll, we'll get him. Yeah. yeah, he was just here. We saw him a few seconds ago. He, he uh, waved at us. Yeah, and we hit some balls with actually one of our, this isn't really a sponsor, but um, Trey Rock, uh, the rapper and guitar player yes. you hear on our music. Yes, the you don't hear him rapping, it's more just drum and his bass. Nice and riff. Guitar. Yeah, his nice riff. But great, great guitar, uh, guitar riff, and we've used that as our intro and outro on the podcast. So shout out to of Trey Rock. Trey Rock, and you can find him on SoundCloud. Also, uh, a shout out to the Vantaggio Brothers. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah, we want to thank uh, them for being a sponsor. They have the uh, cool, sweet logo that uh, you'll see on uh, the Instagram or Facebook posts occasionally. That's right. So yeah. check out Vantaggio. Good clothing right there. Uh, we're always uh, happy to have uh, them be a, a part of the, the podcast as well. Anything else that... Uh, We've got a text in live right now from Jeff Hammond. There you go. The uh, recently former assistant coach right here. Is that Jefferson at Davis J- JD, Jefferson. And there's some popcorn matches at the U.S. Open. He here's says. here's what he's prepping. Uh, first round, Andrei Rublev, uh, the Russian against Stefano Sissipas. That's going to be a great a first match. round. Um, Stevie Johnson, the American who played at the University of Southern California, plays Nico Kyrgios. Do you think uh, Kyrgios will get fined 130000 uh, He's He's a record breaker. That kid is, he's got high goals, Boy. always. Yeah, I think that's the largest... Uh, uh, Fine, I've ever heard of it. Has there been one higher? So. He did go off so. a little oh, bit, uh, off on a tangent. Yeah, yeah, he needed to get back to earth. And then another, according to Coach Hammonds, he's got 
Gael Monfils, one of my faves, playing a Spanish trinomial, Alberto Ramos Vinolas. Yes. It's going to be a good one. This one breaks my heart because I love both these guys. Felix Auger Aliassime, his first round opponent is his buddy and countryman, Dennis Shapovalov. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Oh, that's tough. That is. And then our very own American, I love to root for this kid. He and I use the same racket also as Francis Tiafo. He's getting to play Ivo Karlovich. Dr. Ivo. (laughs) The big man with a big serve. I can't believe that guy. That guy's like 39, isn't he? He's even older than Fed. That's right. He's still hanging in there. Speaking of Fed, Last year at this tournament, Roger Federer lost to John Milliman. Milliman, the great Australian player. Yep. He's playing Rafael Nadal. He could, he could give him a little trouble. Milliman, yeah. First he, round. He, like Rafa, he likes the heat. He likes the humidity. I think that's going to be a tough well match. Could match. be a tough match. Yeah. Well-earned one. Riley Opelka versus Fabio Fanini. Who, who nice. actually has had a pretty nice little summer. So yes. Fabio Fanini. Yep. He's a remarkable player. Wears some bad he's clothing, some though. Trouble. I don't like his clothing line. So sorry. Yeah, in our tennis talks. <laughs> he's, not, he's not wearing Vontaggio. <laughs> CB, here's how I am on that. Yes, I'm not wearing that hydrogen stuff. It's ugly as sin, but... At least they're trying and they're doing something, and it's not just the same stuff with the skeleton head with no jaw. That's that's just unstable. (laughs) It's unstable. Non-stable. Taylor Harry Fritz, American player, is playing. It says Lopez. I assume that's Feliciano Lopez. Lopez. Yeah, that's going to be an attractive. A lot of contrast in styles. Um, Gunnis Warren, the Indian player, is playing Daniil Medvedev. That's yes. going to be tough. Okay. That'd be a tough one. Oh, one of my favorites, Pablo Cueva, stylish Pablo. Uruguayan yes. player. He's playing Jack Sock. Is, is he related to Jose? Jose Cuervo. <laughs> Cuervas. Uh, Serena versus Sharapova, first-round match. That no is, way. That's a match Ooh. made. <laughs> like their agents must have gotten together ago? on that one. Yeah. Five wow. years ago, that would have been a finals. Um, is it Sophia or Sonia Kennan? I think she goes by Sonia. Sonia. But, but I, Sophia I remember is the reading her name. name. In yeah. Very unstable. Yeah. Very unstable. If you have two names that nobody knows which one you go by, that's, yeah. is it, it's kind of like, uh, what was it? Sasha Zarev, Alex Zarev, you know, kind of the same kind of thing. Yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah. you got to get your first name correct, you know. Well, Kennan uh, is playing Coco, not Coco Goth, yeah, Coco Vandaway. Yeah, Coco Cuckoo. Cuckoo for Coco Puffs, right? Our our first guest on the podcast a month or two ago, Craig Carter, coached her for a while, right? Yeah. We've got Zhang versus Venus. Uh, Venus is obviously a great server. Zhang can return and she can move. She can ball. She can ball, yeah. Uh, Muguruza versus our favorite uh, Ali Risk. Ali Risk. Ali Risque. Ali Risque. And who else? Um, If uh, it says here, if Sharma wins, then she will play Osaka. Okay, and and Sharma Ryan played too. for Vanderbilt. Yeah. 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 She's originally Australian. Australian, yeah. yes. Australian. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Dallas, Fort Worth kid, Mitch Kruger. Uh, Got and, knocked out. And he's been knocked out in qualities. Noah Rubin knocked out in qualities also. Wow. Yeah. So there's your up-to-the-minute uh, report on <laughs> on uh, the U.S. Open. Thank you to Coach, Jeff Hammond. Coach, Coach Hammond. Hammond. Yes. Yeah. Is he still around the Dallas area? Or? He is still around the Dallas area. He's a yeah, good yeah. dude. She's just, she just chilling and grilling right now? Chilling and grilling yeah. and, and, you know, raising two fine kids. kids yeah. uh, one plays baseball, has a major league uh, potential. 
Yeah. Oh, really? Incredible. Yes, yes. Big kid yeah. now. He's at six Could foot you, four, I think. Jeff? Yeah, Jeff's six got to be six two or three. Yeah, yeah. 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 How old is his uh, son? Son's about 16? Uh, 16, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where does he go to school? He goes to Keller High. Okay, so we'll look for the Keller Indians. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> look at CB with the mascots. You're <laughs> hey, I'm Native American. You, got <laughs> you, you, you are. are. You got I, I know Indians. I know where, I know where those mascots impressive. are. Impressive. That's right. awesome. Yeah, I knew that from long ago. You can tell me Luther College mascot, man. The Norse. You know them all. I love it. The Norsemen. The Norsemen. That's right. Yeah. Anything else that we need to do before we uh, break down? We are set. That was another wonderful podcast. And thank you both for spending some time with us. That was awesome. I'll give the dismount. Thanks for listening to Season 1, Episode 8 of Half the Net Podcast. Be sure to tell a friend or friends as we like your peeps. And hopefully they'll like us, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the tennis news as it seems to us. Good evening from Denton, Texas. Thank you, everybody. Thank you all. See you all. (laughs) Thank you, Rob.